Welcome to Hydrate Level Four. I'm your host Peter.、Uh, today I am joined by Chris Maydard of War Machine versus Warhorse. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing yeah, great. No, thank you for、uh, for coming on.、Uh, today we're going to discuss the 1984、uh, comedy Police Academy.、Um, so I had you come on, and、uh, I know you are a big horror guy. And、uh, some of the titles you were throwing out, I, I hadn't seen. And、uh, the one I wouldn't have mind doing was、uh, the,、uh, I believe it was Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Yeah, and I'm、mm-hmm. I'm kind of a, a completionist, so I would prefer to like do the entire franchise.、Um, and sure, I, I、uh, mean Phoenix haven't decided if that's one we want to try、uh, with him because I it's been so long. I don't know if I've seen them all, but also I don't know if.、Uh, Uh, just because they're rated R, I don't know what might be suitable for him or not. But、um, since it's, it's, it's such a big franchise, and、um, I, I'm glad you threw out Police Academy as being, you know, another option too, because that is one I've been wanting to do, and I've kind of been wrestling whether or not to do it with a host,、uh, with, with another host, or、uh, by myself, because、uh, mm-hmm. I, I do remember the first one at least being one that I probably probably would hold off、uh, for Phoenix to watch.、Um, And、uh, for, for this review,、uh, I'm kind of glad that,、uh, yeah, that, that I, I did decide to, to have you come on.、Um, can you tell the listeners、uh, a little bit about your website and,、uh, and a little bit about your role with、uh, War Machine versus War Horse?、Uh, yeah, sure. I have a blog. It's、um, followingfilms.com. I just kind of do movie news interviews, kind of like every other movie website blog that's out there,、I'm、not really doing anything that special or new. Then、um, I also am a co-host on War Machine versus War Horse.、Uh, it's a podcast where we take a new release film and then、uh, compare two older films with a similar theme. And I've been doing that for about six months now. Showing up there, they.、Uh, I showed up as a guest, and I, I haven't left yeah. yet. Yeah, it's it's really nice to to hear yeah your guys's um perspective because you guys、uh, all bring something a little bit different to it, and、uh, and you being a writer, you know um sometimes you can use words that go over my head and phrases like that. So I kind of really enjoy <laughs> listening to you because I try to pick up a, a few things to to kind of maybe help、uh, help me when reviewing my podcast. Just you know to sound a little bit more. A little bit more official or legit,、uh, however you want to say. Oh、yeah. God, I, I, that, that makes me sad. Please don't use me as sort of the template for anything that's remotely professional, because that that's setting you. There's so many better people you can. Oh no,、use. no. So, yeah, it, it's a good time listening to you guys for sure, though.、Uh, I, I was on your、um, you. on on your、uh, site last night. I noticed that you had reviewed the、uh, battered bastards of baseball. Uh, so it's a、mm-hmm. uh, kind of kind of takes place in the in my backyard, you know,、uh, Portland, Oregon. Oh yeah, so, yeah.、Uh, a... actually, me and my wife were just talking about doing another trip out to Portland,、um, probably this summer for our anniversary because I love I、oh, love、nice. that area and I love that town. So how,、um, yeah, really、uh, how, how many times have you been up here? I've been there three times now, so and I, it's a fantastic place. So I've never done the wine country portion of it up there, and we really want to go up there and do that again. So or do that for the first time and do kind of downtown Portland for a couple yeah, days. Yeah,、um, uh, do you guys have family up here? No, just I just like it. It's just really pretty. I live in、uh, Arizona.、Yeah. I live in Tucson, Arizona. So it's anything that I can get that's not dry and not hot is really appreciated, especially in the middle of the summer. So that's a perfect place. It's pretty much, as far as、uh, weather concerned,、uh, diametrically opposed to what we have here. The exact opposite. So I I,、uh, I like that. Yeah. Well,、Portland. if you guys even come like during the spring, you'll you'll get some rain. 
So <laughs> if you guys don't get that there, but yeah, um, you know, try try to do some searches. I, I, um, you know, the dates escape me right uh, at this moment, but you know, we have like you know all types of you know beer festivals and things like that um, around the summertime, which are pretty popular and uh, draws in a pretty good crowd from all around. So yeah, well, I, I suppose we'll kind of uh, get back to uh, Police Academy a little bit. Um, Police Academy, it's uh, about a group of good-hearted but incompetent misfits uh, enter the Police Academy, but the instructors there are not going to put up with their pranks. Uh, well, this movie is directed by uh, Hugh Wilson. Are you, are you familiar with that person? No, I, I didn't look any okay. further into it. Uh, have, did you look to see if he'd done um, anything else? That Hugh Wilson. I, I, I don't believe I recognized him from anything else, really. Uh, but I kind of looked up the writer, who whose name is uh, Neil Israel. And uh, apparently he either wrote or directed Surf Ninjas, which that one I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I, I remember yeah, Surf Ninjas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so he has a little part in that. And uh, he also... Um, I believe he directed Blast from the Past, which is actually one of my uh, one of my favorite Brendan Fraser movies. So, um, yeah. Oh, so that's that's about yeah. it. Now, now I'm there. He's done a bunch. Of, okay, now I'm seeing him here. Okay, uh, yeah, like Guarding Test, Down Periscope, a lot of stuff in the '90s that I remember actually. Yeah, so, so that, okay. that's about it. And obviously, you know, we'll uh, we'll kind of get into the the cast a little bit, but just to name a few. Um, Let's see. We have uh, Steve Gutenberg, you know Michael Winslow, Kim Cattrall, uh, G. W. Bailey, who plays uh, Lieutenant Harris. I only know him from this. I, you know, he he. Was... Uh, he he's also. Do you remember Mannequin? Oh. Wasn't he in that oh, also? I, know I Kim think Kim Cattrall was. But <laughs> he... well, he's the, he's the security guard at night, and I think he's also in Short Circuit, if I'm not mistaken. Kind of plays the same character in all those movies. If. Uh, Oh, before I'm sure I'm speaking out of turn here and probably way off on it, but let me look back real quick just to make sure that I'm right on this, which is probably not yeah, the Gutenberg case. Yeah, Gutenberg was definitely uh, in short circuit. Yeah, no, he, he was in short circuit. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Uh, Bubba Smith. Um, let's see. That's 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 it. Uh, most most of these people I only know from this movie or this franchise, really. Um, I guess already we kind of already named off the the bigger uh, of the stars, uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, so in the the movie starts out, we get the introductions with a, a bunch of the the, the cadets. Uh, well, I guess before we even go into that, we get some uh, what are they like title cards at the very beginning, where um, it, you know kind of gives a little uh, explanation. Uh, I forget if it's the mayor or. Uh, Somebody wanted to kind of open up the academy and kind of allow them to kind of bring in all types of people, very diverse people. Uh, they didn't want to limit to, um, you know, the best of the best, I, I, so to speak. Uh, so in the academy, they were I don't know if they just didn't have a say in it. Um, and I guess the explanation in the beginning is to kind of just lead into Okay, this is why this diverse crowd is actually going to join the police academy for one reason or another. Um, but yeah, we we get to meet Tackleberry. Uh, he's our first cadet here, or cadet 
candidate, I suppose. Um, he's a security guard. Uh, we kind of learned through the movie that uh, he has former uh, military history. Um, I don't think they ever touch on exactly what, but he he even owns like a an army jeep. I mean, this this yeah, this guy yeah. apparently has been out, but has never really let go. Uh, so he's a security guard at some kind of. Um, some some business. It seemed like a really big building. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it's late at night, and he's kind of making his rounds. And this man comes out of an office, and Tackleberry looks. You know, he's got his game face on. He's looking really serious. And and this guy, you can tell just by looking at him that Tackleberry has some kind of reputation that uh, he's a little bit crazy because this guy's kind of on guard. He's a little scared. And like, um, can I go now? Kind of thing. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Tackleberry? Uh, Tackleberry as a character is one of the ones that probably holds up the, the best. There's a lot of characters in this film that we'll get into that I think kind of uh, they there are elements of them that are either racist, sexist, homophobic, or just things that I didn't catch when I was younger, when I loved these movies that I went back. And um, the reasons that you were going into before we were talking uh, where you were saying that you didn't know if you wanted your son to see this film, probably more of the sexual content to it. I think part of the reason I wouldn't want my son to see this movie is because of just how unabashedly politically incorrect it is and yeah. of its time. And it's, it's one like he's one of the few characters that doesn't come across as racist in the film and doesn't come across as homophobic in the film. Um, they go to these jokes that are so pointed. And um, even at one point, Steve Gutenberg as a joke says, uh, sleep yeah. is for fags yeah. or something like that <laughs> which which is something that like as a kid i thought was funny but now i'm like i don't know if i want i wouldn't want my son to see that and think that's funny especially from you're put you normally in a movie would put that in the mouth of a bad guy now now this is being put into the good guys but uh, sorry i'm no, jumping ahead there but with tackleberry he's one of the few characters that he's just this uh silly over-the-top kind of uh aggressive military guy and actually I, he's fine he, he's one of the ones that holds up better and uh that particular scene in the beginning um the one thing that really struck me about him is how young he looks in that scene because even by you know when you get into the fourth and fifth film he's just a shadow of that man and he just looks like a kid in this movie so but i yeah, enjoy him. yeah i really enjoy him too uh, I, I guess uh, I actually forgot, you know, to to ask because I, I know you, you're a few years older than I, and uh, I forgot to ask you what's kind of your history with this movie. Um, I saw this. Oh God, I I'm remember it was uh, when I first moved to New Jersey when I was a kid. So it was somewhere around third or fourth grade, I think, when I first saw this film. So eight or nine years old, around that age. Um, so much so that a lot of the humor. I, I missed and that it, it wasn't until maybe the third one or fourth one came out that I was in middle school and I actually kind of got what was going on. And it, a lot of the stuff was, and not, not that this movie is subtle in any way whatsoever. It's, it puts it all out there. I was just way too young to be watching something like this. And I had a friend who lived down the street from me who had a VHS copy of this and we watched it. And so, but this first police Academy is probably the one I've seen the least. Um, it wasn't it, the other ones. It was when once Bobcat Goldthwait showed up is what I really kind of gravitated towards because I liked him as a comedian and I really dug these movies with him in them. So this is probably, I would say, I, I've seen most of them at least 10 times, maybe more. Uh, and this one probably just a handful. 
Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Looking at the release date, it actually came out almost a year after I was born. Uh, <laughs> uh, and obviously, I, I wouldn't remember if I seen it, um, you know, when it was uh, freshly released. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I, I probably watched it in the late 80s, you know, kind of like you said, like maybe when the, the ones that uh, Bobcast started uh, appearing in, which the second one actually comes out, I believe, a year after, really. Um Maybe actually no. Uh, is it eighty five or eighty six? They the first four came out in succession. There was just yeah. one after another. There was one every year. For okay, a couple of years. Yeah, because I mean, I, I do uh, remember watching this when I was a lot younger, and a lot of things went over my head. Um, uh, obviously, but uh, yeah, I guess I, I was definitely in the single digits as far as age goes when when I was kind of watching these, and uh, I I I think I remember um, more things from part two, and you know, as a kid, they, they all kind of ran in together for me, really. Uh, but yeah, I I think I remember two the most um, uh, than one. So yeah, kind kind of in the same boat. That, that this one I probably watched the fewest. I think I've even seen like some of the um, the other sequels probably more on TV than even, even the first yeah. one, you know, like the ones without Steve Gutenberg. Um, but uh, speaking of, you know, Mahoney uh, is a character. He plays Kerry Mahoney. Uh, we meet him, and he's a, uh, a parking lot attendant. Um, and he's kind of, I don't know, he, he's kind of, a, he's kind of a jerk, you know. Um, he doesn't seem to really enjoy his job. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a, um, like a place where, like a a certain business, because I guess he he gets this um this customer, you know, who he kind of points out is wearing a wig. This guy's wearing, uh, driving like a you know, I guess at that time it was a really nice Trans Am. Um, you know, he's got the. <laughs> it's still a really nice. Trans-Am, is it sorry. okay? I don't know my American cars. <laughs> Um, but, but, but to you, like right now looking at that, that's, that's still like a, like a sweet ride as they would say. Oh, no, I'm just, okay. I'm joking. I, I'm not, okay. I'm not Drax. So things do go over my head. I don't have the great reflexes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, well, I guess we, we kind of see that. I don't know if there's a bit of a history, but obviously Mahoney knows this guy, right? And, and this guy's like, look, just, just park my car. And Mahoney's trying to tell him that, you know, the, uh, uh, the lot's full. And I guess it just kind of uh, ticks him off that, uh, well, actually, the the boss is even kind of called over. But uh, Mahoney, you know, he's kind of, like I say, he, he's just really, uh, he's kind of, I don't know, for lack of, I don't really have a word, actually, to, to really explain it without just calling him a, kind of a jerk, really. Do you? Um, I, he's supposed to, I think he's supposed to be a guy that's likable, but he's kind of a slacker okay. for his time. Um, he's, you know, he's a wise guy and he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of respect for his job, but then again, he's a parking attendant. So I don't think he should have a lot of respect for his job. He's a guy who sees the job is beneath him probably, but at the same time, it's, uh, who wouldn't feel above yeah. that job? Um, unless you've seen the movie parking lot, which is a documentary about these parking lot attendants in Austin who all take their job very seriously. Um, unless you're one of those guys, um, I think anybody would sort of have a little bit of this attitude. Yeah. In that I, I actually like that wise guy. That, that's a pretty good, uh, um, you know, it, it explains them really well there. Uh, but, yeah, he, he takes the car, does this, you know, the, the turnaround and then drives on two wheels to fit in this little spot that you can only fit a smart car in. Uh, so it's kind of a funny scene. Um likable well because you know he's being picked on and obviously this guy he's you know kind of a, a abrasive and uh he's not nice so 
at this point, I don't think we 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 even know that Mahoney is even the the main character at this point, right? O- only uh, by name of the actor uh, that we're supposed to know that he's kind of the lead here. Um, now Barbara, Leslie Barbara is, is a is another guy, um, which funny is like his first name and last name are both like you know fe- feminine names. Um, <laughs> he is a uh, he works at a Kodak film developing kiosk of, or something. Um, it's funny because yeah. uh, recently uh-huh. I was on a uh, a podcast where uh, a friend and I on uh, uh, Sweep the Leg podcast we did a commentary on the uh, Back to the Future Part One movie, and I had mentioned when the okay. Libyans had driven in into the, uh, you know, in the film developing kiosk, I go, there's only two movies where I've seen this, you know, and um, I vaguely remember from my childhood them existing, but I've only seen it in the two movies, is Back to the Future 1 and Police Academy 1. So... So as far as like those, those, you don't remember those parking lot kiosk photo developing things at all? Um, It's... We were, we were actually talking about that on War Machine Horse, uh, I think like a week ago or so, because we were doing uh, one-hour yes. photo. And I mentioned, I think I made a reference to that, um, where those sort of kiosks that were like that, and they were everywhere. It was pretty much any strip mall parking lot had one yeah. of those things. Yeah, I, I kind of remember. I mean, it was, it was so long ago, but it was kind of really neat to see. Um, you know, it'd be funny if they actually kind of brought that back because that's kind of, you know, kind of the thing. They, they bring certain things back. And uh, I, I know, you know, real photography hasn't quite gone away because it's, it's still a thing. Um, but I, I would imagine there's still some kind of vintage place that uh, uh, I think it'd just be kind of cool. I, I think Portland would be like a like a ideal place, you know, <laughs> to, to have something like that to even kind of bring that back. So, yeah, it's a funny scene. Barbara, he's kind of, uh, you know, he's a heavy guy. Um, th- there's these guys that uh, they're bullies, and obviously he knows them because they, they actually come to pick on him personally. And, uh, you know, there's like four guys. They they lift up his kiosk and throw him over the bridge. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, it's it's fine. It's uh, a bullying scene. It's funny. It's uh, it's. When it's early on and thing. His character, though, doesn't show up in any other no. films, does he? I don't remember. So he's kind of a one and done, he this is. guy. And uh, his, I think that's because he's, that's all he's given to do. Um, he's just, uh, there, there's not a lot to him. He's just the butt of this bullying kind of. And I think they get that with, um, why am I forgetting her name now? The character with the really small oh, voice. Uh, the Hooks, there we go. Thank you. Um, so it's a similar character to that, and I assume that's probably why they let go of him because it's just it's they had a couple of characters in the film that were just constantly being bullied, and that was all they really offered to the film. And that particular scene is pretty funny, but um, that's probably his best scene in the film. Is his introduction? Uh, I, I think I like another scene coming up too. Yeah, their arrival. Okay. Um, yeah, he gets bullied. Unfortunately, uh, now Mahoney, we we cut to. Um, you know, police station, and Mahoney had been arrested for what he had done at the parking lot. Uh, I found that kind of funny. And uh, here, he is—he uh, sees a Captain Reed who apparently knows his dad, and uh, Captain Reed um, is offering him a chance to um, to kind of stay out of jail. You know, he's like, "Hey, you know, did, uh, join the police academy. It's a fourteen weeks thing. Now you can't quit, but they can throw you out. Uh, so it, uh, it's either that or go to jail. So kind of, you know, I've, I've heard this before. You know, with like a like with the military. You know, join the military or go to jail. So that's kind of what he's given here. Right. Um, but the, yeah, Captain Reed's a small role." 
But um, this is also where we meet Jones uh, while Mahoney's at the police station. Um, so, yeah, Mahoney's sitting next to this guy he's, who's beatboxing. Um, and Jones is played by Michael Winslow. Now, I only know him from, you know, obviously commercials and stuff, but uh, he showca- he's always showcasing uh, his ability to kind of mimic uh, these sound effects, which I, uh, I know he can do it in Spaceballs, but I think most of the ones in this movie are fake, right? I mean... Um, I have no idea. I mean, he can do it really well. He's a really gifted... Uh, I, I don't know what you would call that. Um, it's it's not mimicry, but whatever it is that he's doing with his voice, the ability with sound effects, he can do all those noises. I've seen, um, not live, but I've seen uh-huh. his stand-up. Uh, that's all he does. He just, just goes through all these sound effects. And... I don't know if they did it in post-production. I mean, obviously the levels that he would be getting to, because I don't think you could fool anyone with just your mouth that a gun was actually going off in a room, entire room hit the floor because it was that loud that they think a machine gun's going off. So yeah, I I, I don't know. And I mean, I I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. Did it, does it seem like it's a a different sound effect that's coming out other than something he's creating? Some of them do. I I don't think so in, in this introduction part because uh, he's beatboxing, which sound, um, you know, uh, pretty organic. And uh, I think shortly after, like in in the same scene, he kind of does a harmonica, which I I also believe. But yeah, some of them sound kind of like 80s sound effects, you know, a little bit later on, kind of like you mentioned, like the machine. That's probably borderline. You know, I, I can probably believe him. Um, but I, I, I read, uh, on IMDb that he also does the, um, the, uh, the announcer, the intercom, you know, at the Academy as well. Uh, so, so he, he does some sound effects, um, um, on a, on a different, uh, on a certain extent. Um, now I guess I kind of missed a, a joke earlier when, when Mahoney and Jones did first meet that when, uh, Jones, he introduced himself as like a Dr. Monsieur. Monsignor or something like that. I what, what, what is that exactly? Um, does that mean something? Mons- um, I I'm offhand. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah so the joke know. is that Jones introduced him as a doctor, and then when Mahoney is talking to Captain Reed later on, uh, he kind of has one last request. Hey, can I bring uh, Jones, my physician, uh, along with him? So. Uh, I guess just this uh, little beatboxing kind of convinced Mahoney to take a friend with him um, to uh, to the police academy. So we don't know what Jones was in for, but uh, he he decides to give up 14 uh, weeks of his life too to to uh, join the academy instead of go to jail. And does that seem like a really fast training period to you? 14 weeks to become a cop, or is that? Because I thought it was uh, around six months or so. To, for police academy training. I mean, granted, this movie is not grounded in realism right. on any level whatsoever. They, they keep hammering home that 14-week uh, thing. And that's what it stood out. It seemed really I, short. I can believe it. 14 weeks, uh, we're, we're looking at, what, uh, 16 would be about four months. So it's between three to four months is what we're looking at. Uh, because, like, uh, personally, I went through basic training, and that was nine weeks. But sure. depending on your, you know... Then you go to text right? After yeah. That, so depending right? on your MOS, uh, it, it could it could range from five weeks to to a, a year. Yeah. So it really depends on your job. Right. And uh, as far as the, the the police academy, it looked like it's just you know the basic uh, stuff. Um, 
because you know we don't see what happens in between because in in the next movie they go straight to their basically their first assignment right out out of the academy um so mm-hmm. it could be just the basic st- stuff really but uh i i could believe 14 weeks you know yeah and, okay, and I, I think i'd choose that too over jail time and to be honest i i don't know how long he would be facing for jail just for wrecking a man's car yeah, for somehow getting it up on two wheels that it just suddenly he makes a sharp turn and the car gets up on two wheels and goes right in between those. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It seems like something that would be more of a fine, but my assumption is that Mahoney's been in trouble with the law before. They seem to kind of know who he is, so maybe this is a third strike type situation. Yeah, that's a really good point. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it could be like a third strike, and uh, he could have been facing a lot longer than the 14 weeks. Um, uh, the next cadet we we meet is Fackler. Um, I, I I didn't write down the you know his his n- real name. I, I don't even know the guy other than this role. Uh, <laughs> but he he's accident prone. You know he's kind of a uh, you know another comic relief. Uh, it's really funny. He uh, he's trying to leave the house and his wife is really trying to get him to stay. She doesn't want him to go at all. Uh, she goes as far as to uh, chases after him, and as he pulls out of the driveway, she hops on top of his car. So, so he drives off to the academy with her still on the hood. I don't know what that mm-hmm. says about their marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you were if you were leaving, do you think your wife would jump on the hood to try to keep you? Well, at home? she would prevent me from even taking the test because I don't know if they. They had to take a test prior to going. I actually had the opportunity to take the test for the uh, Portland police because uh, I, I had been in the Army for uh, nine and a half years. And she was like, look, I uh-huh. – um, well, at the time, it wasn't nine and a half yet. I think we're – I was still probably – probably about six or seven years in, you know, um, because I, I re-enlisted for another three years. But anyway – um uh, I told her, I was like, oh, hey, the, the Portland police is giving tests to, to veterans. And she's like, no, I'd rather you do something safe like the post office because that that's always kind of been something that uh, – because her parents both work for the post office too. So that that's kind of how I got sure. into it. And I, I told her, I go, well, I, I can easily get hit by cars, <laughs> you, you know, walking on the street. But so, um, yeah, that, I think that, that would have been fun had I done something like that. But I, I don't think it would have gotten to the point where uh, I, I – got into the academy on my own and then have her still try to chase me like that wouldn't even get to that point you know it, it would be like um uh, yeah either the academy or, or or me you know she'd give me an ultimatum but uh no i i really enjoy this because uh you know a, a little spoiler here because the wife does come back in in uh, part three uh which we'll, we'll talk uh, right. um, you know way later on um but uh, oh yeah, so so th- th- this is one of my f- uh, favorite introductions, and and not Fackler. It is actually more his wife because not, uh, b- before she right. even got on the hood of his car, she was actually uh, cutting through backyards. She was uh, jumping over fences. She she does like a combat role, and then she pops up. It's a really funny sequence. Um, does she jump into a pool, or am I remembering that incorrectly? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember her jumping into a pool. It just always reminds me of the from uh, Ferris now, Bueller's did, Day Off, where he's running through the backyards with the trampolines. It reminds now, me did, of that, but I don't think he was, she goes into a pool. pool in uh, Ferris Bueller. I, I have no idea. It's been a long time me since too. I've seen that so, one. Yeah, I'm somewhere. It, it could be like one of those spoofs of something else, but I remember something about a pool. But yeah, it, it's a, it's a really funny sequence, and I actually kind of think that the the wife who we don't even well Mrs. Fackler, you know, she kind of stole that from from the uh, the Misters uh, introduction. Uh, 
Uh, Thompson is the next person we meet. Is uh, Kim Cottrell. Uh, it's funny because I, I think you uh, posted something this morning uh, on Facebook about the uh, uh, Jack Burton T-shirt, and I was like, "Oh, well, how, how how fitting!" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, because uh, Kim Cattrall was in there as well. But uh, she plays uh, Thompson. I I don't know if her first name's ever mentioned, but I, I just wrote down Thompson. Um, she's sitting yeah. in the back of the of I'm assuming her her car, and so so she comes from money, right? Cause um, her, her mom's sitting in the back with her. So, so they have a driver right. and she's, um, her mom doesn't think that this is something for her probably, you know, cause she's a lady and, um, you know, Thompson's saying, well, you know, I want to do something exciting, something different. Uh, yeah, I want to meet, you know, different types of people and then and then Fackler pulls up you know on the side of them with uh, the missus still on top of the hood screaming at him uh, so pretty funny sequence yeah. no yeah I actually I really like uh, that sort of end note on it is what makes that sequence and uh, what did you what do you think of Kim Cattrall as an actress though uh, what do you think about her performance uh, in the film well I, I don't know how old she was at this time but um, I, I believe I don't remember which came first for me as far as viewing, whether it was Police Academy or uh, Big Trouble Little China. Um, I've I've never really cared for her. Like she was never really like a favorite of mine or anything like that. Um, like when it comes to, for example, Back to the Future, um, a lot of people know that I prefer uh, the Claudia Wells over Elizabeth Shue, even though Elizabeth Shue had had the bigger career. You know, Karate Kid, yeah. Adventures in Babysitting. You know, and then she's currently doing stuff now. Um, but I've never liked Elizabeth Shue in Back to the Future. Uh, I why is that? Just I, out of curiosity. You know, what? I I think because um, I, I've I've said it on previous episodes that I'm not a big fan of um, uh, recasts, and I think yeah yeah oh. that, that's that's one of the big reasons. But I mean, I can I can go I get past that in some certain instances. But um, I think the way she was used in Back to the Future also kind of hurt her character because it's like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. obviously uh, it, it's kind of known that, um, you know, the Back to the Future 1 ended as a joke uh, at the end there. And so they were kind of uh, the, the, the filmmakers were pigeonholed to kind of bring back this character. But the original actress had something going on, so they had to recast. And, and also I... Pretty much um, when I was younger, I associated Elizabeth Shue more so with the Karate Kid because she had a bigger role there. Um, so sure. that's why I didn't really care for her. But uh, Kim Cattrall, like, uh, um, I, I think, yeah, I, I didn't mind her so much here. Um, it, I, it, it could have been anybody else for me, to be honest. Um, but okay. I, I don't know if I really liked her in a Big Trouble Little China. I, I may like her in this one a little bit better. So, which one have you seen more? This or Big Global? Big oh, Trouble, Big Trouble Little China. China. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one oh, of my fears growing up for sure. Maybe, uh, maybe that's something we can put on the back burner there. That sounds like it might be kind of up your alley with John Carpenter, yeah. kind kind of thing. Oh, I, I, I still love that. Yeah, Carpenter. And I mean, yeah, I like horror films, but I like all films. It's not just the horror stuff that I um, that I really like. Those were when you asked me what my uh, guilty pleasures yeah. were. Um, was the question. I think I went into a lot of the horror stuff because those are movies that I that I know they're bad yeah. movies, um, but they're movies that I still enjoy. Um, and that's why I went to Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 uh, specifically because the first one, it can be, that's a good movie. That's a movie that I think holds up and it's critically well received and it's considered a classic to a lot of people. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 is <laughs> not a good movie on any level whatsoever. It, 
bombed at the box office. It was uh, critically panned, so it's a terrible movie, but I really enjoy it. So there's no good argument for why I would like that movie, and that's why it's a uh, sort of guilty pleasure. Yeah, those I, those I still want to go back and revisit for sure. I, I bought the uh, the complete set on Blu-ray, which I want to say for like less than 30 bucks one day. You, you know, Yeah, that was one of my Christmas presents this year yeah, that my wife yeah, got for I, me. I so. love that when they release re-release something on Blu-ray and they they you know uh, include the entire franchise. So that's always a bonus. Uh, I haven't yet uh, to open it, but you know I don't have a whole lot of time to watch things. Um, now we get the arrival of everybody, and this is where I mentioned that uh, Tackleberry. You know he is uh, he owns a military jeep. Uh, George Martin or. Uh, uh, George Martin, um, as he as he calls himself, he uh, he's a you know a Hispanic gentleman, you know kind of kind of um, a ladies' man, right? He arrives and uh, in this convertible, and he's a passenger of, uh, of of this car with like four girls in there, or maybe three or four, I, I don't know, but it does catch the eye of uh, Mahoney, who's kind of kind of impressed by it. Um, now, what would you think of George Martin? Um, well, I, I guess without getting in, I mean, how do you, I, I assume that we can go yeah, into spoiler sure. kind of stuff. So, um, I, it, when I first saw this, I had kind of forgotten going back to it this time with where his character was going and I was, and his accent is so over the top and ridiculous <laughs> as soon as I see him that it's just that this is absurd. This is like this racist portrayal of this character. <laughs> then you come to find out that it's a guy that's pretending to be Hispanic. So I guess that makes it okay on some level. But there was a lot of things like this in the 80s um, where there was the movie Soul Man. I don't know if you ever is saw that. Is that with C. Thomas Howell? <laughs> yeah, C. Thomas Howell, where he puts yeah, on a yeah, face yeah. kind of thing, where it was these weird, like, it was it was it seemed okay. And it's not that far removed from just doing minstrel show stuff where it's just, I can't believe that they were able to get away with this just 30 years ago. Cause I guess this movie was Four, 84. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Like yeah. So yeah, so we're just going on right at 30 years for this movie and how different films are now. Um, you'd probably still be able to get away with this character kind of the way it is. Um, Cause I don't know how offended people would be by it, but it's, I can see it being pretty offensive um, with the way that he has just that he's constantly motivated by nothing but sex. And then he has all these women around him and it's a very um, uh, shallow portrayal of a Latin American, but it turns out it's just a guy that's kind of imitating a Latin American. So I, I, you could probably get away with it, but it's bizarre how easily you could get white people to imitate minorities at that point. And it was fine. And no one thought about it. it in my mind, I kind of think that was a breakfast at Tiffany's yeah, all time. Right. You know, that was you know two a generation back. Have you seen uh, that? I, I no. The only time I seen it was uh, in the uh, Bruce Lee's The Last Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there, there you go. I mean, that, but and that's all you need to see. You get the point from it, and that's a movie that's considered sort of an American classic. But then, through my eyes, when I go back and watch it, like I, this is absurd. This is so insanely offensive i can't get through this and sort of accept it like same thing with gone with the wind and a lot of other films that are considered classics that i can't take them in the context of their time because uh, as me as i stand right now i'm offended by this bullshit i, I oh, apologize that's fine. for swearing yeah. but I, I, i'll, I'll um, you know make it say that it's explicit you know for the download so See that, and I'm—it's my my mouth. I do this on pretty much every. No, podcast. no, that's I'm completely sorry. fine because like this movie is rated R anyway. You know, which uh, okay. and I I completely forgot to go over it like the for, for um you know the parental guide, but we we kind of already discussed like some of the some of the movie's contents. 
you know, we kind of already put mm-hmm. out that, like, I, even my mis- uh, myself, that I, I wouldn't, I don't think I uh, allow Phoenix to watch this. So, you know, given that, people should kind of already know, like, the type of movie this is. So, yeah, the language won't be an issue. Um, when I upload the episode, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of make it say that it's explicit. Uh, which, you know, it, yeah, it, it, you don't have to censor yourself. Well, so if it's, yeah, okay. uh, I wouldn't worry about that. Well, there's, there's, there's actually, that, that kind of gets into something that I wanted to ask you about before, was you said you would... Uh, you wouldn't be comfortable with Phoenix watching this um, right now, but sort of the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, are you would be okay with that? And sort of in your mind, how does that work? Because uh, I my yeah. son's four, so I'm curious. Like your your son's is he fourteen, he, fifteen, uh, something like 14. that? He? he turns fifteen this coming June. Um, so by okay. by the time he turns fifteen, uh, through the uh, lifespan of this uh, podcast, when we started, he was thirteen. He turned fourteen, and now he'll he'll be uh, uh-huh. yeah, fifteen pretty soon here. Uh, so he he's on um, a lot of hot water right now with us uh, as far as grades goes, uh, being the f- first year in high school. So, you know, if uh, regular listeners are listening to this, it, it may be a while until Phoenix comes back on because we li- literally took everything away from him. You know, I don't want to put his business out there too much, but yeah, he um, his grades were very very disappointing, and um, you know, we told him, look, we we will accept bad grades if you're trying. But from what right. we're um, able to look online with his uh, his progress in classes and, and speaking to him, it doesn't sound like he's really trying at all for no particular reason. He just has no explanation to what's going on. So we literally mm-hmm. took everything away from him uh, to include the podcast, which I know like, um, you know, we we have listeners that, that listen to the show because they like hearing like his uh his thoughts on certain things and, and, you know, his perspective, like uh, things that he sees a completely different way. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully I can still kind of, um, you know, put out some you know, good enough content that people continue listening. Um, but the, to answer your question, nightmare on Elm street, I, I would have to kind of go back and, and catch some of those. Um, because I, I remember, I don't know which, uh, in- installation or installment of, of the the franchise, but I remember specifically one, one scene where um, I guess uh, Freddy kind of like pulls up his shirt, and then you get like all these bodies kind of like uh, poking out, and then you see like a woman's uh, breast. Uh, you know, that's it. That's in three. Part three. Okay, isn't three like one of the? Uh, is that Dream Warriors? Yeah, that's Dream, supposed to be like a yeah. really good one too, right? Yes, yeah, that's written by Frank. Oh, Durham. is it? The guy, yeah, the Mile and Shawshank Redemption, yeah, that that was one of his first screenplays. Was for that the original um, first right? He he directed the uh, uh, well, you know, kind of started up the Walking Dead. Um, Oh, very interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I well, and and I've put it out before that uh, you know, like as far as nudity, if if it has more nudity than Titanic, that's something that I'd really have to kind of consider. You know, because that's a PG-13, okay. and the way it's done was, you know, it, it was tasteful. You know, it wasn't, like, you know, um, uncomfortable, you know, because he's seen Titanic, and, and I didn't – I wasn't uncomfortable when that scene came because of the way it was shot. I thought it was fine. So if there if there's more nudity mm-hmm. than that, probably not. Um, for example, the American Pie movies, I, I, I probably wouldn't be reviewing with him until, like, you know, a few years, you know, something like that. And And – now, is that just you don't want to sit down and watch them with him and talk about those specific scenes, or is it just that you don't want him watching? I, that's a very good question. I, um, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. You, you know, I, I, 
don't want him to feel uncomfortable that he's also seeing this with me. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just I, I I don't know I because you, you know I, I I don't know about you, but I I've seen all this stuff like early on, you, you know, and I don't think yeah. it uh, affected me in any type of way. But my you know my, I learned a lot of things from watching movies and, and, and school and friends like my, my parents never taught me about anything nor had any types of talks with me which I try to do differently with Phoenix I try to make sure that I had to talk with him you know we started off with you know where babies come from and then and then you know uh, a few years after that you know I had the sex talk with him you know any questions you have come to me that kind of thing um, but I, I, I guess as far as the movies you're, you're probably right I mean he's approaching 15 the yeah, that that you know may go out uh, the window sooner sooner than later. Uh, you know, I I just never really thought about it, but uh, yeah, that's a good question because um, you know, I I'm sure he hears a bunch of stuff. You know, at school, you know, he's exposed to to language which you know he doesn't use himself. So I mean, he 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 knows better, and and um, he plays Grand Theft Auto, which you know I'm 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 fine with. I mean, uh, and I know people are like, well, there's a bunch of uh. uh very suggestive stuff in there too, or and not even uh, suggestive. They're, they're like in your face kind of thing, but but they're also not real people, you know. So that's kind of my my takeaway from that. It's like, well, if there were live people, it'd be a little bit different. But it's a it's a video game, you know. So yeah, so I don't sure. know. We'll, 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 yeah. No, I was just curious. There's no sort of yeah. Joke. I always wonder how people draw the lines between sex and violence and what they allow or attempt to have their children exposed to. It's a interesting yeah, yeah. Thing. If um. You know, yeah, like, you know, sex scenes and things like that. It's got to be, uh, yeah, if it's, like, too raunchy, you know, if it's close to, like, you know, near, near porn, you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, let them watch that. So, yeah. yeah. But just, uh, did, don't you think it's a strange cultural thing that we do where we're com- more comfortable with our children watching something like Saving Private Ryan, um, where you see limbs, you know, being blown off, heads decapitated, all that kind of stuff, like in The Hobbit even, or anything like that. Um, but then you show two people that are in love, you know, and it makes sense in the context of the film, and they, they're just having sex, and that's something that's very uncomfortable. And I think it gets down to more of our lack of comfort in discussing these things with our children and our children's lack of comfort in being around that. Cause I remember seeing sex mm-hmm. scenes with my parents when I was a kid, it's just as uncomfortable for right. the kid as well. In those situations. But I would watch the most violent things in the world with my parents and it was no big deal. Um, and I, eventually my son will have, you know, a sexual identity. And so exposure to that I think is important, but I hope he never has exposure to, anything that is in the hobbit or hopefully that's anything that's in um saving private yeah Ryan. i i wonder if i am the way i am because of like maybe how my parents uh reacted when i you know something like that would come up in a movie um like i remember mm-hmm. one time um i believe uh terminator one was on like hbo or something and i just happened to be watching it in their room because they had the cable box in there so i you know, i didn't think it was a big deal i wasn't trying to hide anything but my mom walked in and it was the scene where uh sarah connor and kyle reese are getting it on and and like the way you know she reacted <laughs> like like i was watching porn and um <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, that scene wasn't even that bad, you know, hindsight. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's the way she reacted. It may be that just like subconsciously that for if I saw something like that with Phoenix, I would kind of, you know, try to shield him away from that kind of thing. 
Um, but as far as the violence, yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it is really weird because we've been uh, desensitized, um, uh, you, you know, with shows like Walking Dead, you know, and Breaking Bad. All of, all of that stuff is on, uh, you know, re- regular channels. You know, it's a lot easier access and um, obviously, uh, you know, video games, you know, as, as far as back. So I, I can remember uh, when I was like 10 years old playing Mortal Kombat, you know, at the at the arcades, you know, a very violent game. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting that our society is, is more acceptable to, to violence than it is, um, you know, to, to show. Well, but, you know, things are changing. I mean, on TV now, you, you're, like you said, you, you know, you're seeing two people, not just a man and a woman. You're seeing two people on, on, on TV nowadays uh, kind of engage in sexual, you know. Uh, it only goes up to yeah. a certain point. Um where I, I think you can, in The Walking Dead, you can so, show a flesh-eating zombie uh, disemboweling another hu- human being and eating right. their guts. You can show yeah. that on TV, but you can't show a right. nipple. <laughs> like, which is more effect? And we, we do it all under the protection of our children. It's sort of the guys that we hold. And I'm not saying sure, you specifically sure. at all. It's <laughs> us. It's a, as a collective, we all sort of buy into this. And I'm, I'm a part of it, too. Um, because I am more comfortable with that level of violence than I am with sexuality to some degree, and I'm I'm just not sure that it's yeah. healthy. Um, yeah, we so, need, we need to see. But yeah, we kind of got. No, it's all right. We need to see more nipples. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, and, and funny because Walking Dead. Um, I I had him last year. We we went to Comic Con and we met uh, John Bernthal. You know, we got a picture with him too. Uh, for those that don't know, or or kind of you know kind of clueless or whatever, he played Shane in the in the first two seasons. Um, so I I didn't let, he at the time he had not been watching Walking Dead, and so he met Shane, and and Shane was like, oh, so you watched the show? He's like, no. He's like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe one day, you know, you, you can be a fan, that kind of thing. And and it kind of made me think, like, oh yeah, why haven't I allowed him to watch? Walking Dead, and it's because of one specific scene, and I want to say the second episode of season one. It's where uh, it opens up with, um, uh, what's the mom's name? Lori? Yeah, yeah. Lori, uh, yeah. She's walking alone in the forest, and then Shane comes up behind her, takes her to the ground, and, and, and they go out at it. You know, And the, the way, in the manner it was done, it made me uncomfortable to like, yeah, I don't know if I want Phoenix seeing that, but I don't mind the guts eating, you know? <laughs> yeah you don't mind the scene where the zombie it's half of his body and he's crawling right. along and that oh yeah that, that's yeah fine, no problem and it's just it's weird it's really really weird that how we're comfortable with that yeah stuff, so. and uh you know obviously he's actually caught up now um you know one day i was just like you know what yeah i'm, I'm all your friends are probably watching it and you know, go 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 have at it. So I and you know I allowed him to watch some of those scenes on his own. You know, to so so that way he doesn't get um, you know uncomfortable watching it with me or something. So yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, slowly but surely I I'm starting to allow him to watch a little bit more. So uh, but but I, okay. I think I'm not quite there yet to let him just watch anything. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about porn or anything like that. But like yeah. Um, yeah, so some scenes uh, it's still gonna be. Built. I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I still don't know when um, I'm gonna c- kind of lift the the censorship on with him because he's approaching 15. Um, his mom, she was pregnant with him at 16. <laughs> he's not that far yeah. off from, from that. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So, 
But but you know, me being as, as a parent, I'm like, well, you know, if I can hold off as long as I can, then why not? He he's not sitting there like, Dad, let me watch American Pie. <laughs> I want to see those boobs. I, I keep yeah. hearing about him. <laughs> you know, I, he's not like that. So uh, I mean, he, he's a, he's a great kid. He he's more into the books, anyways. Um, so you know, I, I guess if he's not asking like, hey, you know, can I watch this movie? It, there's no big deal, you know. So you have to assume that he's. What was the? If you go back in your own sort of memory what was the first time that you saw pornography like a nudie magazine or anything like that how oh, God, young were you, you? Know, um second grade <laughs> so you don't you don't think he's had that moment also i don't i don't point? have magazines in the house but but, but things he, are a lot accessible but I, neither yeah. Did my dad, but yeah things are a lot more accessible now and they had his internet Right, we didn't have the internet. Yeah, he's got so. his iTouch. You, you, you know, to, to be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if yeah, if he's encountered some of that. Um, I obviously don't know about it, and, and I, don't know, I, I suppose I'm okay if if he has uh, because it, it, it yeah. just. I guess I'd be a little too naive to to think that he hasn't been exposed to that yet by friends and what have you. So I mean, the 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 boy is almost fifteen. <laughs> you know, uh, like, like I said, his mom was you know we we were sixteen and uh, seventeen when he was born. So um, I had him extremely young, and and that that just kind of uh, you know yeah we're completely going off topic, but yeah it, it kind of shows like my l- l- lack of you know actual upbringing. You know, I was kind of just. Um, able to do anything on my own and you know i am the first generation of my family to be born in america too so i, I guess you know things are a little bit different um you know and and, and me being first uh, generation like i, I kind of uh, you know obviously a lot more americanized and and with the upbringing of my son me and my wife we kind of you know know a little bit more on how to i don't want to say be better parents but kind of do things the quote-unquote american way i suppose as for, uh, you know, whereas like the uh, Asian parents, they're a little bit more like, we're only going to discipline you, but do what you want. That that that's that's basically right. it. Well, for, for for Phoenix, him growing up, he was very sheltered and and very you know had kind of um, um, not a, an agenda, but we we had obviously certain ideas of things for him to do and what have you as he grew up. So, yeah. Uh, well, you, you put thought into it. You're trying to be a better parent than you were parented. And I think that's yeah, what we absolutely. all do. In our ways. We try to correct what we saw as mistakes. And that's that, that means you care and means that you're involved. And that's, that's all you can do. We're all going to screw up. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to yeah. do it wrong. You just try. Yeah, that's all and I wish he saw it that way, obviously. But, you know, he's, he's still young. And, and hopefully, uh, as I did, you know, um, uh, was a little bit more grateful of my father. And for me, it was a little too late. So hopefully Phoenix kind of kind of gets a little bit early that everything I do is obviously because I love him. And and for me, I found out a little too late with my dad and, uh, you know, w- way later on. But uh well, there's the, there's the Mark Twain quote that I'm going to completely butcher, where he was he said something about how his father um, was the most unintelligent man he'd ever met in his life at 17, and by the time he was 21, he was the most brilliant man he'd ever known. How did he get so smart in four right. years? And 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 it's just that it's been consistent forever. It's always how we see our parents at that age, as we always look at them and we don't understand them and don't see what they're trying to do for us. And then once you grow a little bit and you move into the world and you can kind of appreciate what your parents are doing for you, if your parents are your best friends, you're not being right. parented. Yeah. I, I, I blame his best friends probably for the way he's been acting out. <laughs> I shouldn't allow him to have any more friends. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get back to the movie. Yeah. Nope. Hey, Sorry. no problem. Yeah. You know, um, 
I kind of I, I kind of like these, you know, because because we don't do it. Uh, me and Phoenix, like get into our personal lives, and uh, I, I tried doing it early on. Um, I forgot what episode it was, but uh, yeah, early on in 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 our episodes, you know, I tried incorporating a little bit, like, oh, you know, what has been happening lately, and like one one time, like off the air, you know, he was just kind of like, you know, I I actually kind of don't like that. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm glad you told me. You know, if you, you don't like it, you, you don't yeah. like it. Because I was starting to bring up, like, oh, girls and things like that. And, and yeah, it was uncomfortable for him, um, you know, to, to kind of talk about that uh, open like that, um, you know, being recorded and people listening. So, um, yeah, I was just sure. trying something different. But, yeah, he didn't like it. So, you know, yeah, Fair if enough. I have a guest that wants to ask a question, hey, hey, let's get into it, you know, because I, I, I don't get a chance to. And I think it might be something kind of interesting for listeners to kind of learn about me, I suppose, you know, since, you know, if there are any. <laughs> I think I thank you guys for checking out the show, though. Uh, no, yeah. Okay, so we get a, uh, the, the chief of something, you know, he arrives, uh, talks to Commandant Lassard, who uh, basically runs the uh, the academy. Uh, lieutenant Harris, um, what what is his role? A, well, I mean, he's a lieutenant, but he also seems to be an instructor at times too. Um, um, I, I assume that all and all of them, with the exception, um, everybody has an instructor role there. Also, they all have a class that they're teaching okay. in something. All of the sergeants and lieutenants. Um, so I guess he's kind of the the number. Two or number three? I mean, you're the you're yeah. the military man. You know how these, these oh, things no, work. It's, so it's police. So it's completely different. You know, almost kind of like uh, <laughs> like the navy. They they even have different ranks. You know, and they call us weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, <laughs> Lieutenant Harris. He's kind of um, yeah. He's he's obviously below Commandant Lassard. And uh, basically, they're they're talking about the, the, this chief. I call him chief because that's what they call him. But but he he comes to uh, the academy and and basically he tells. Uh, the commandant and and Lieutenant Harris that they want to weave out the bad ones basically because of uh, you know what we kind of mentioned earlier on in the beginning of the movie uh, that they were just allowing any types of people you know um, to, to to come into the academy so they 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 just want to kind of weave all the bad apples and just kind of keep it the best of the best kind of thing. Um, I think they specifically say they want to keep it white. Oh, did they? I missed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which kind of uh, this is a good. Segways, is that the right word I'm using for it? Into the introduction of uh, Hooks, uh, Blanks, and Copeland. Uh, Blanks and Copeland are, are your um, pretty stereotypical two uh, protagonists, no, anti- antagonists, kind of? I, I don't know which word. Yes, okay. yeah, they're antagonists. antagonists. And then I think Copeland is the one that seems a little bit more on, on the racist side. You know, he's the one that's had like two or three... Um, you know, different scenes where he actually drops like, you know, some racial slurs and stuff. Uh, sure. I think they're kind of in like formation or something like that. Now, Hooks, uh, I guess she doesn't have like a really big introduction or anything like that. But, you know, she's she she's black, you know, female. Uh, she has a voice who uh, I saw on the, uh, the, the this featurette that was on the DVD. She the, the actress, she described her voice as like uh, she was um, imitating Michael Jackson. Right. And, and, and like, and then I thought about it. I was like, man, that, she's right. <laughs> that, that She was talking like Michael Jackson, <laughs> um, which I, I don't know with the hair. You know, I don't want to sound racist, but she kind of like she had the hair like Michael Jackson from, you know, pre <laughs> pre Jerry curls and what have you. Um, yeah. Jackson five hair. Yeah, basically. But yeah, she she's she's got that really low voice and uh, 
Blanks and Copeland, we kind of find out, well, I don't guess we find out too much at this point, but Copeland does make some kind of, um, he kind of looked around and said, oh, there, there's a lot of spades around here. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. at first I was like, is that a racial slur? Because I'm not sure, because I've never really heard that. Um, and then... It, oh, yeah, no, no, it's, a, it's a racial slur. I'm, I'm from Georgia. I'm the, familiar with all is, of is them, that so. Is that still common? Um, in is Georgia, it? it is amongst a, amongst a certain age group, uh, probably around okay. my dad's age. Those guys are, you know, 50s right. and 60s. They, they would still oh, wow. use that okay. word. Yeah. So, uh, and if you didn't know, it, it's, it's obviously, um, if you didn't get it then that it was, uh, offensive, you know, this is where we get Hightower, you know, uh, Copeland turns and Hightower is, I think, standing next to him this really big tall black guy mm-hmm. and then yeah, yeah. Copeland kind of shuts up uh, obviously knows that he uh, kind of spoke a little too loud um, so what do you think about the, the, they don't really get into any of these characters now but but at this point we were meeting Hooks, Blanks, Copeland and Hightower what do you think about these four characters um, I think Hooks uh, when I was a kid I really enjoyed her character but it's really mm-hmm. one note, um, and it becomes the same joke right. in every movie. Where by probably the fourth one, I was kind of done with it. Where it's just she's very quiet, soft spoken, and it builds up to the crescendo where she finally yells <laughs> at the end of every movie. And so you're kind of waiting for that moment to happen in every film uh, with her for her to come out of her shell. Uh, Hightower, I, Bubba Smith, I, I enjoy him in the movie. I think he's fun. I think he's fine. Um, he's actually uh, he's he's you know just a quiet guy for the most part, but he shows a little bit more sensitivity and vulnerability than a lot of the characters in the film. Surprisingly, uh, he seems like a more well-rounded, interesting yeah, character than a lot. Yeah, of we we find are. out later that that he uh, was formerly a florist too. So uh, yeah, very, yeah. very uh, keeps to himself. Um, surprisingly, uh, Mahoney. Uh, or Thompson catches the eye of Mahoney. So he impersonates an officer when he's trying to become one uh, and goes to hit on her. So, so a uh, funny scene there. So we get a little bit more of, um, uh, I don't know, um, uh, character trait. We kind of see a little bit more of what Mahoney is. So yeah, he's any opportunity he can to try to hit on a woman. He'll, he'll obviously take it. Um, and do you remember what his shirt says? I don't in that actually. Scene? It's a, it says one in the oven and it has an arrow oh. pointing down. It's a shirt for right, pregnant right. Okay, woman. yeah, I remember. Um, I, I think I knew that a while back, but I, yeah, I forgot to even look at the shirt this time around. I was kind of focusing on like the dialogue and uh, seeing what I can pick up. But um, yeah, it's uh, so it, okay. Who's more of a ladies' man, Mahoney or Martine? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, well, I guess in the world right. it's Martine because he obviously has right. more women. Um, but Mahoney is the one that it seems like he would actually, in the real world, be more effective with his sort of uh, right. charms. They actually work a little bit better. He seems smoother. Martine just seems like there's women that are just throwing themselves at him because of his yeah. accent. So even when he walks around in drag, he still uh, somehow gets yeah. laid. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're right, and with no effort at all, you, you know, it just. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the the next scene they're they're doing like a uniform issue, uh, which I found it a little bit weird because um, there's no um, like measuring involved at all. They don't go see a tailor or anything like that. So they just kind of walk up and the guy just kind of like hands them their clothes. Uh, Tackleberry's like, you know, what? No guns, you know. And and Thompson comes up. And she's like, I'm size nine, but you know, the guy just gives her her clothes anyway. 
uh, Hightower yeah. shows up and the guy just kind of looks at him like, oh, I don't have anything that's that's going to fit you. But but then you see everyone in their uniform and it, and it all fits. So, it, yeah, yeah. Perfect, well, yeah. You know, so it, it, it's funny. Um, so Barbara, here here we go again, getting kind of picked on. Uh, you know, Barbara shows up, asks Mahoney, oh, where do we get the clothes from? And he points over to the uh, comms house. Uh, so this is what. See, I think this thing was funnier than his intro. So okay. uh, um, Barbara goes into the commandant's house, and uh, oh yeah, Mahoney says, you know, t- "Tell tell him Mahoney sent you," because he's trying to get kicked out by three p.m. that day. Um, so yeah, the, right. uh, Barbara goes into the commandant's house and uh, happens to run into the commandant's wife, who had just gotten out of the shower. As a kid, I thought that was Fackler. <laughs> she. I I thought I thought it was a man. You, you know, I I did find it weird that she, you know, who I thought was a he, was wearing you know the the hair uh, hair cap and and had the towel up, you know, to to her armpits. So I thought it was factor because you know it um it I think obviously they were trying to play it the, to make the competent wife unattractive. Well, yeah. clearly they, they were successful. You're unattractive if you thought that it was because, actually Because, you know, they, they were doing, like, the whole <laughs> uniform issue and stuff. So, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. So, th- yeah. That, that, that was my thought as a kid. I thought that was Fackler <laughs> coming out of the shower. And I was like, what's what's the big deal? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I, I thought that was funny. I thought I thought that was uh, probably one of um, Barbara's uh, funnier scenes. Um, Fair enough. Now, Blanks and Copeland, they get uh, recruited by Harris, you know, who comes into their room and uh you know he thinks that these guys are just going to be the ones that would be be able to, to be his eyes and ears basically and uh, uh he's going to use them to kind of um you know ha- i don't know i guess have the advantage to maybe find find the dirt bags sooner and kind of get rid of them um what well, what i kind of missed earlier was uh Harris was doing the um like the uh room assigning you know and just kind of pairing up like unlikely people but somehow blanks and Copeland end up in their in the same room together so you know it's just something i, I kind of noticed I'm like wait but but wasn't harris just kind of like running off names earlier but you know maybe yeah. maybe there's a, a deleted scene where harris you know knew that they were together like all right i'm gonna put these two together so i can can use them well yeah i think that we're there's a lot of buy-ins yeah. in this movie and they expect you to kind of sure. go along with the, this world. And at that point, if you're getting caught up on that one, you're really nitpicking and you, you're probably turning the movie off within the next five minutes. If that's going to be what pushes yeah. you over the yeah, edge. No, I, I like to point things out like that. that. That's actually why, like when I have guests, I, I'm like, okay, well, what, for, what kind of guilty pushes do you have? Cause I like to pick at, you know, things like that. And yeah, a, a lot of these movies, yeah, you, you want to check your, your brain at the door, you know? Yeah. You, you just gotta, you just gotta <laughs> kind of go with it, you know, uh, to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so- let me see. We get our first scene, uh, in a classroom setting and, uh, I, I guess I don't, I think it was, yeah, it, it was, uh, Harris that, that was, um, kind of leading the class here. He asked if anybody had uh, previous military training and Blanks raises his hand and says that he served in the army with, uh, I guess, a, like an airborne battalion or something. And I'm assuming he lies, right? Because he kind of looks at Copeland. Copeland's looking at him like, well, I didn't know that about you. Um, and then like Jones, you know, kind of uh, showcases his little uh, voice thing and pretends to be like the voice coming from the, uh, the this overhead speaker and excuses Mahoney to go see the commandant. Um, Mm-hmm. And we get a little scene where the commandant finds out that Mahoney is a special case and that he can't leave because Mahoney's still still trying to trying to leave. Um, and then we get more training. Uh, we get an obstacle course. Um, 
And I think this is where they're like jumping over the wall and Hooks is having a hard time. So Harris says, you know, just go around. Yeah. Out comes Mahoney. He's like, oh, uh, you know, my pants ripped. And we look down and like somehow hit like his pant legs have been shredded, you know? So, so this is just a, a thing that's, you know, continue on with the, uh, the movie that Mahoney is trying uh, every opportunity he can to kind of screw something up to get kicked out. That's basically it. Um, which Harris sends him over to the, the clothing place, you know, to get more clothes. And then we get a, uh, a scene where Mahoney asks for shoe polish, which he kind of like puts on the, the you know, Harris's loudspeaker. Uh, I read somewhere that the director, he overheard like some, some of the crew kind of talking about this gag actually happening to somebody in real life. So, so they ended up using it. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. I didn't so, know. It's kind of a funny scene there. Uh, and this is where we get, uh, well, no, we, we get to see Mahoney punish. So, um, I, I kind of do like that at least, you know, that, that Mahoney's not getting away with these things. Um, uh, apparently Copeland and Blanks have been, made squad leaders and they uh were instructed to basically make him run until he throws up uh, i don't think we get to see that but we we kind of see uh blanks and copeland you know kind of where they are now they, they they were put as squad leaders which maybe i would have liked to have seen something where um like you know the the, the main group kind of kind of figures it out you know um, because I don't know, I, I, I guess right. it, Mahoney's a clever guy. He, he picks up on these things, but may, maybe I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, um, what's the word where it's like a them against them kind of thing. Um, where uh, there, there's like, they're having a confrontation yeah, between a, them. A confrontation, but like the, the vibe, you like, I, I want to see a little bit more of the, um, oh, okay. You know, those guys are working for Harris. You, you know what I mean? Oh, you wanted to have the reveal Something like that. of it, that kind of thing. Figured, yeah, yeah, oh, because okay. it's just kind of like uh, Mahoney's super clever, which is fine, you know. But um, I, I think to include like everyone else to kind of also know, I think maybe that would have worked for me a little bit better. I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Just, just um, as far as like adding on to that, no. I mean, the movie really—it's only it. The narrative is just very yeah. loose, and like yeah. you said, if you start scrutinizing it, it's going to fall apart. It's just moving from gag yeah. to gag, and I think that it's they're, they're really trying to get you know a good laugh in every couple minutes, and there's not really any heavy dramatic moments in no. this film. <laughs> Almost the entire film is played for laughs. There's never any uh, uh, areas where it gets into that that sort of territory at right. all. So uh, yeah, you don't really worry about that part of it at all it's in the narrative as it's established in the film the way the story's playing out yeah. it's fine it's yeah not worth yeah a, a, lot, a lot of these do really work for me um uh like the, the scenes like the, this next one uh, we see george sneaking over to the the women's dormitory and you know he's wearing the the robe and he's even got uh, i'm assuming like tissue whatever to uh you know stuffed in a bra yeah. So yeah. So sure. he, he walks in, and uh, you know he he's greeted by um, I don't know if it was more than one woman, but uh, yeah, Callahan. She happened to have noticed, which um, I don't know if like a first time viewer what they're supposed to get from that because I didn't I didn't find it where she's like okay oh I'm I'm gonna get him for for pulling this like I don't know if you got a certain read. I, I think that's yeah that's what you're supposed to think in the scene, and then when it plays out the way it does. That's sort of, that's the joke is that you're supposed to believe that she's going to catch him. She's going right. to bust him. Not that she's going to, you know, 
yeah. sleep with them. So I think that's the, the, the turn. Yeah. So and we'll, we'll kind of just go ahead and throw that into uh, now. So yeah, um, you know, uh, Martine goes back later on, and then uh, it, it's Callahan that actually is in that room now, uh, which I right. thought was a little weird. Actually, now, now thinking about it, how, how does Callahan end up in that room? Does she go to those women and like, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to take your room for tonight. <laughs> I want a piece of that Martine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess it yeah. would be that hard just yeah, to move back to right. Aaron that, she, that he's going to be showing up. So, yeah, yeah she, she really go. wanted that, apparently. <laughs> well, maybe she just needed a guy. There would be no strings attached. He wouldn't get too attached, and he seemed like the yeah. right guy for it. Yeah. Um, let me see. We get a shooting range. Uh, I, I like this scene because Tackleberry, he's not pleased with the gun that uh, is given to him. Uh, and then in the next shot, we see him using his own personal weapon, which he's uh, he's a very good shot. Um, uh you're, with your military background, you will definitely know more about guns than I do. Do you know what kind of a gun he had in that scene? What oh no, I, I, I don't. I don't know my guns at all. Um, in uh, it, it's kind of sad because I was also an armor, so so I, I I dealt with it, but I only dealt with the ones that that we had. You, you know, so so yeah, so oh, we don't have like a wide uh, wide variety. Uh, you know, the, the, the nine millimeters, and you know, we, I, I think I only dealt with like, you know, like a handful of d- different types of weapons. So yeah, like offhand, I, I have no idea what uh, Tackleberry was using. I, and, and to be honest, I don't even think it was military issue. It's just, you know, it, he's one of those guys sure. that got out of the military. He's going to buy all types of handguns just to have. So uh, yeah, he loves his guns. Um, Tackleberry. Well, th- those are basically half of the same. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of like he's pretty much like anybody from Tucson. And the, the people out here love yeah. their guns, so and they have a lot of them, and they're usually really big, it seems like. And you can carry them everywhere out here. You, you don't need to have a carry permit. You can put a, a sidearm on, and as long as it's exposed, it's totally legal, and they can't stop you from <laughs> wearing them yeah, anywhere I, I, here. I, I think it's Sorry. funny because I, I didn't write this down, but I do remember a scene that that we probably already missed. But it's when Tackleberry is unpacking and he has a footlocker full of weapons. I, I think he he even had a grenade. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah funny guy. I, I really like Tackleberry. I think he's pro- probably probably yeah, so, my uh, favorite character. I might be a little biased though, you know, having that background. Um, now this is a really nice touch. Uh, it's a really brief scene. You know, it's probably like five seconds, but it, it's um, the recruits. They're they're they're. Um, they're running, you know, it looks like they're finishing up a run and Hooks is in the, at the very back, but it's not that. This is something what I missed was Hook is actually watching like two people leaving, you know, holding suitcases. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've never really caught that before. I, I think I saw it and just didn't think anything of it. But, you know, little by little, they're, they're showing that, you know, people aren't able to hang. You know, they're, they're actually quitting because they, they couldn't continue on. So that's a really nice touch. And I think that's the only time that they show that. But I uh, appreciate, appreciate showing that. That's, that's actually kind of neat. Yeah, you, you do see people washing out. So that, that, that there are, once the movie builds to its climax, I guess that these people did have some right to be there. Because if you don't show that, it just becomes everybody made it through because the people we're following are the ones that end up making it through. So you have to show some of these people when they have this open casting call essentially that some of them don't make it so yeah it's a nice yeah. touch that it's there uh brief scene of the uh, them testing uh in in a classroom and we see copeland cheating you know he has his hat turned upside down and he keeps looking into it you know with uh with the answers uh, and then mahoney pulls out some crayons and i don't know if he starts drawing or just <laughs> filling in the answers yeah. with crayons that's a, it's a really nice scene because i think they, they play like a little like kid-like music uh in the background for that yeah. too uh and then we get this shot which um 
it kind of reminds me of like uh of um what's that hitchcock movie uh rear window you know you know so so they're kind of panning sure. outside looking from window to window i i really like this because we see callahan working out in her room you know and then we see george with like three women and then uh and then at the very bottom mahoney's standing there looking watching women shower you know while he's drinking a beer so yeah this this scene i i yeah. you know i i don't know if i want phoenix seeing and and thinking that i would be okay with something like that but you know it's it's i mean i, I think most guys would do that see you have uh, you have better taste in movies than I do because when you saw that you thought of Rear Window and when I saw that I thought of <laughs> Animal House where um, where uh, Bluto's putting the the uh, ladder against the window and you kind of see the panning across and it's a similar thing which is probably uh, take off of Rear Window also so that's right it's, they were probably both pulling from the same source and you're right in that and I thought of Animal House like I do every time and now you're probably right it was Rear Window well um, I I Rear Rear Window was actually my second uh, thought because the, the first one I was thinking of was a um, I think it was a made for TV movie about the Rat Pack with Ray Liotta. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the nineties, that was that's yeah. a good movie. And I'm matter sure. of fact, they 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 do exactly say the same thing. They're they're showing like a, a you know a couple of different guys in their rooms doing whatever, and they and they they show Ray Liotta with like three women. So that yeah, that's I what remember. I went to first, and, and then like uh, I I wasn't sure if you'd seen it, so I I went straight to Rear Window as a second uh, second choice. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a really neat scene. You know? <laughs> oh, you don't need to class that design. You don't need to try to pass it up in because <laughs> yeah. of me. Uh, yeah, and I think it's funny because Harris comes up to Mahoney, you know, and shoes him away, takes his beer, and then the girls see that it's Harris standing there with the beer. So a uh, pretty comical scene. Um, now, yeah, let me see. Uh, Harris wants Mahoney uh, to talk to Captain Reed because I, I think by this time he's had enough, and he wants him to convince him, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, convince Reed to, to get him out of this uh, deal that they have. And this is when Mahoney goes out to the window and he sees Thompson and Hook standing out there. And I guess Thompson starts flirting with Mahoney through the window. Uh, and then this is when he kind of has a change of heart and decides that he wants to stay there. Uh, did you did you have a right. problem with Thompson flirting with him through the window? Like, where did that kind of come from at all? I know we keep talking about, like, we don't uh, want to nitpick, but, like, I mean, and this isn't a big one, but it, it did kind of, like, kind of bother me because... I, I up to this point, I haven't seen anything where Thompson might even be interested in Mahoney. Well, I think that that's kind of was their game okay. at that point. That, that that was she she appreciated his affection probably and the attention, um, but she didn't want to, or she probably was initially not interested, and then at some point became interested, and then you keep up that you know face because you're not comfortable with it yet, and then the idea that he might be leaving. Um, I don't even know if she's aware of it at that point, but that she's just coming around to it. And with it being through the window, there's a uh, distance there. So it's not that immediacy of it. It's like, hey, this is actually working kind of thing. And I, I think that it worked fine for me. I think that it's uh, that's sort of in a way how relationships yeah. work sometimes where you do have you, you break through and there's a dis- like the way that you let each other know that you're interested. There is a subtle way of doing it. And because there was the distance, I think that that worked. So I actually like this. It it could also be like, you know, because uh, I had mentioned earlier that, you know, she does come from money and, and, uh, you know, um, uh, Mahoney doesn't seem like a guy that she, she would be with anyway. And, and, you know, maybe that's something that she might kind of like, like, well, I've I've never been with a guy like this, you know, why, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And then uh, we get a little scene at the in the men's locker room, and uh, Jones is shaving. And I, I really like this too because he's using you know like a, a regular shaver, and he imitates like the the sound of the electric shaver. And so so he starts shaving yeah. himself there. Uh, Tackleberry, I don't know what he's doing, but he was like kind of tightening his abs. He was like psyching himself out, kind of thing. And then uh, Barbara happens to be walking by, and, and Tackleberry's like, hit me. You know, and, and, and I, I knew off the bat, he was all like, oh, yeah, hit him in the stomach because of what he was doing. But but Barbara just yeah. slaps him <laughs> in the face. So it's pretty funny to see. Like, Barbara doesn't have a whole lot to do, but when he when they show him, he does something funny. So I, I really like that. And it's unfortunate because I don't, I don't know this guy from anything else. And like, he's, like we, we've talked about, like, this is the only movie that he's in. Um, right. So they, uh, the group go on leave for the weekend. And Harris tells Blanks and Copeland uh, to spy on them because this is something that happens every time. There's always some kind of big party, and uh, he wants them to to go along and and um, and uh, you know report to him to, to see if he can use anything to to basically kick any of these people out. Um, and then they instead of going to Mahoney themselves, they go straight to Barra, who they think is probably going to be an easier get to to find out. Uh, but yeah, he's just studying by himself, and um, they say, "Hey, go ask Mahoney," which he does. Uh, Mahoney is in uh, his room, and Tack- Tackleberry is sharpening his blade. I-, I don't. Did you hear what count he might be on? I I didn't catch it, but I, I no, I don't but, know. But was, yeah, he was counting it off though, and it was it was yeah, a high yeah, number. So, he, so. He's been sharpening for a sharpening while, his blade. Obviously. I don't know what he intends to use that for, but it's it's it just shows Tackleberry, <laughs> a, a, you know, so, so militaristic. If that's even a word, but uh, I, I just yeah, I just thought it was sure. funny. It sounds right. <laughs> yeah, we'll go yeah. with that. Um, and, and I like this because uh, Barbara tells Mahoney that some people just wants to know where the party is, and without really saying anything, but it's really like the his facial expression, his kind of body language. Mahoney kind of reads that okay, it's probably somebody that we don't want there, and uh, so he uh-huh. tells them, yeah, oh yeah, the party's gonna be at the Blue Oyster Bar, which I, I think this is kind of a staple of the um, Police Academy franchise. Obviously, now what do you think about the Blue Oyster Bar? You know, when I was a kid, it was one of those things. This was what I thought the funniest moment in the film was. And I think a lot of people did because, like you said, it became a staple of the franchise. But it's one of those things you go back and you look at it now and it's such an <laughs> over-the-top stereotype that it's just – it's they're, they're, it's a cheap joke that still exists in comedy today where I think that maybe with the exception of the Seth Rogen stuff um, where it's the kind of bromance mm-hmm. angle on it, they've kind of changed that. Um, where a lot of comedies, they default to this, look at these straight guys in this gay situation. Isn't that funny? And that's the only commentary that it has. Now, as a kid, I had never seen anything like that before. And I don't even know that when I saw this, if I knew that this was a gay bar or if I just thought it was a biker bar. And I don't know how much I understood that scene specifically because, like I was saying, I was eight or nine years old. I must have got it once they got to them all dancing together at the end. Um, but it's it's something that is it, you've seen versions of this in a uh-huh. ton of movies and it's a pretty base joke and it, it's fine I guess but it, it is I don't know it just seems like the low hanging fruit that's not really that funny now to me because I've seen it so many times is this something that, and it is I could see how someone would be offended by this completely that it is such a stereotype and such a I, I mean, any time that they mention gay people, homosexuals in this movie, um, it's as the butt of a joke. It's either they're using it in a disparaging way, calling someone a fag um, or a homo 
um, or they're in this bar and it's the straight people in this bar and every single person there is wearing biker leather and looks like they're in Judas priest. Right. So, um, and, but I think that was just as that's was the time, you know, this is 1984. So that's kind of how things were to some degree, as far as our, uh, the way that we dealt with gay people at that point, we had a president that wouldn't say AIDS. They, you know, they called it gay oh. cancer or whatever it was, something like that. So we, it was a totally different time. And, um, I think it's easy to look back at my parents' generation and think that my dad went to a segregated high school. So I can look back at him and think like, God, that's so ridiculous that you were raised in that society. And, you know, I think like I've always led this very progressive forward thinking life, you know, that I've never really been exposed to that. But then when I go back and see these things, like, no, that there were these elements that were still around and probably still are. And I just can't see them right now. And 20 years from now, you know, my son will look back at the stuff from 2015 and think that, that was insane that they were doing that stuff back then. I hope. I hope we keep yeah, the rest I, at least. So, I, what do you think? You know, when I was a kid, I didn't understand the concept of gays. You know, so uh, I, I, I just thought this was like a, uh, like a biker bar, you know, as, as you said. And, and they just happened to be, you know, uh, doing the tango. <laughs> right? So that, that that's really it. I, I, I really... I, I just... um. I think, I, I, I think uh, what I thought was just that oh, embar- embarrassing for these guys to be at a bar with just men. You, you, you know, um, you know, if 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 I knew the phrase then, I would have been like, oh, look, sausage fest. <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> as a kid, I, I didn't understand that. Yeah, th- these were gay men. Um, so that yeah. So, but I always thought it was funny. You know, that that music cue. Anytime you realize it's the blue oyster, you know, it, it always just kind of stuck with me. Yeah. yeah so I I really don't remember like when I went back and watched and realized that it was actually a gay bar. But for the longest time, I, I didn't even it, thought nothing of it. Um, but there, there's one thing I did write down that uh, I wanted to bring up that, um, uh, blank, which is the, the smart, is it blanks or blank? Blank. Yeah. Okay. I think. Cause I know there's an E at the end. I, I just, but uh, the, the smarter of the duo, um, he, yeah, he's yeah. wearing like a, like a polo shirt and jeans. And I saw, I saw this and I'm like, oh my God, things have not changed because when I was in basic training, um, you weren't allowed to bring a lot of. You, you know your own personal clothes and if you did i mean you weren't going to be able to wear them um, and a lot of times when we're you know in the middle of training when we get some kind of leave whether it's a few days or whatever a lot of us would go to um you know the 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 the, the px you know the store on post and we would just yeah. buy whatever and a lot of times guys always for whatever reasons they would get a polo shirt and jeans and so so when you go out into a nearby town you know who's military? Be like, oh, that that guy's military because he's wearing polo shirt and jeans, and and to see blank wearing that, I was like, wow. You know, even in the eighties, that was a thing. You know, because so do you think that was an intentional touch I, that they I, did? I wonder if it that? is because it was like so on the nose. I mean, I I, I forgot what Copeland was wearing, but uh, I did I didn't think he's wearing like Hawaiian shirt oh, or something. Okay. Like that's, see, that's funny in itself. That's not, that's not that no, it's not. But probably. yeah, a lot of times, like around the really big military bases, you you can kind of know. Um, well, you know, if 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 it's like an active duty base and they they work there, it's a little bit different because they they would you know usually wear what they normally would wear. But if you're around like a bigger installation that that have like trainees go to, you can tell which one are trainees because they're wearing like um, yeah. I don't want to knock on somebody who wears like. Uh, like a polo shirt and jeans but it's 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 a total fad that that you see amongst like trainees wearing 
because I did that myself too. It's like, um, you know, maybe I didn't want to uh, spend a little bit more on nicer clothes because I knew this would be temporary, you know, that kind of thing. And that, that's and maybe that's why people do it, you know, subconsciously. Like, well, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of money, so I'll just I'll just get this cheap polo shirt and jeans, you know, and maybe cheap shoes at the PX. I don't know. So. I, <laughs> Is it it's it's PX? I always thought it was uh, it BX. It depends where you are. Uh, I, uh, BX I think might be a bigger installation for uh, um, for base maybe, and then PX is yeah yeah, yeah. and then PX is post exchange. Yeah, so the, okay. yeah, basically the Sorry. same thing, and it, it might um, might it just depends on the size maybe. I I, I I've heard it, it. It's always mostly been PX. I think BX might be. Maybe if it's like an installation with like other components too, you know, if it's like not just Army, maybe Army and Air Force. I, I don't know. Yeah, and, no, because it's an Air Force base here in town. That's kind of what I hear all the time is BX, see, I and, thought. So. Yeah, maybe it, theirs is BX. But I, I have heard it, okay. but, but um, everywhere I've been, it's, it's always called the PX. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, let's see here. So, um, oh yeah. So the so we get a little back and forth of Bank and Clopin at 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 the uh, at the Blue Oyster, you know, dancing, and, and then we see the uh, the beach. And here's another scene where I'd be a little uncomfortable with Phoenix watching because um, uh, Martine leads a, a line of women kind of behind this bonfire, and they're taking off their shirts. And I think it's like four or five women right. that actually take off their tops. So you know, you get uh, get some of the nipples that we were talking about. Um, and yeah, and the, and the scene ends with I think is really funny. Uh, again, back at the Blue Oyster, Copeland is asleep, dancing with the, slow dancing with this guy, and he's wearing like the guy's headgear, yeah. like his his biker cap too. I don't I don't know what right. happened before that, but it was really funny to see that. He just gave I guess so. <laughs> just, just went, went for it. Um, yeah. So they get back to the. Uh, uh, back to training, and Harris is like, "Hey, you guys didn't call me this weekend. What's up? You know what, what went on?" And Copeland's like, um, "Dancing, sir. Just just dancing. <laughs> didn't want to elaborate on that. Uh, I, it, that's that's really funny, but um, it would have been interesting if they're like, uh, you, you know, I don't know. I I wonder why the choice is like, why didn't they just say, oh, um, well, I mean, it's fine, it's funny, but but I wonder like if yeah. if somebody if the writer might have sat there and be like." Uh, you know why? Why did he say that specifically? Because you you know maybe like in real life. I mean, and I, I know I don't want to kind of compare it with the uh, the universe of Police Academy, but you would think that maybe a writer might be like, oh, you know, well, you know, we didn't find them or or something like that. You know, I, I wonder. Well, I think the idea is that it's a callback. It's an immediate. Um, the scene is it ends on that punchline is that they mm-hmm. were dancing in that moment and that it is him asleep uh, you know and they had this whatever happened after that there was an uncomfortable ride home with these two men like what happened this night what what, what did we do kind of thing and then the follow up to that is what happened they just say dance yeah, and yeah. walk away okay. that's it they, they don't even want to deal with this so I think it's just in they, they assume that it's uh, the laugh is still sort of going and it still has some resonance so you just throw that little call back in and you get a little bit of extra yeah. juice out of that, I like that moment I guess that's, that's really good um yeah, because it's funny because it, that's obviously on their mind. Like they they can't even put into words what happened. Like oh, dancing. You know, we'll just keep it at that. Yeah. Um, let me see. I, I wrote down Martine and Callahan uh, have an encounter, but we have already uh, mentioned that earlier. Oh yeah, sorry. What's that? Oh, oh no, no, for, no. That, that's know, fine. We, we get to skip so. that part. Um, but uh, okay. Harris is teaching uh, how to use voice with authority. 
And uh, at first, I thought this was going to be like a hand-to-hand kind of thing, but he is uh, kind of setting up this scenario where he is pretending to be the uh, like like uh, somebody breaking into a house, and Hooks is his first um, uh, um, student or whatever for this uh, exercise, and and yeah, she 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 can't do it, you know, she she can't uh, speak with authority, uh, and then here comes Tackleberry, mm-hmm. same scenario. I'm a robber. <laughs> Tackleberry goes up, puts up, you know, pretend, you know points a gun to his head, you know, uh, with, with his fingers, and he's like, um, what, what do you say? Like, put that back, uh, asshole, or I'll blow your nuts off or something like that. Yeah, which yeah. is like the only time yeah. Tackleberry ever swears, but I thought that was a really funny scene. Um, just real quick, though. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of these are just, like, really quick scenes of just training, and uh, uh, some are funny, but uh, they're all really good. I, I really uh, enjoy it. Um, Martine and Mahoney have this heart-to-heart, which we kind of uh, mentioned earlier, but this is where we find out that, yeah, the, the accent's fake because Mahoney calls him out. He's like, you know, sometimes sometimes your accent goes, <laughs> kind of comes and goes. And, yeah. like, Martine even kind of like, gives him this look like, no, really? <laughs> and then, like, he comes to, he comes to terms <laughs> with it, like, okay, you, you caught me, you know. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, they, they have the this talk, and, and Martine thinks that he's in love, you know, with one girl. Uh, so a brief scene mm-hmm. there. Um and but I think that scene actually, even though it is like the closest thing to a heart and heart you have in the film, uh, Steve Gutenberg in that scene is actually he's a good actor. In that moment, I absolutely like believed into his uh, listening to Martin telling his story, and he made the scene actually kind of it was a nice little moment that they had there, and uh, his interest in what he was saying was absolutely genuine yeah. and um it's one of those surprising things where we don't see steve gutenberg anymore and i, I wonder why it's in that moment that i realized like he can actually he can like there's more going on there than just sort of the smarmy kind of uh smooth talking guy he he can he has some chops and i'm surprised we don't yeah, see him around yeah anymore. it's unfortunate that it was you know at that time and and my go-to has always been short circuit for me when it comes to steve gutenberg um I, I, what, what about you what what, what are you uh, are more familiar with uh, when you think of Steve Gutenberg as far as movies. Yeah, see, I loved Short Circuit. I absolutely, I love that movie. And that's why I knew that uh, the Lieutenant was in that movie also, just the number of times I've seen that silly movie. And that, then again, that's also a movie that you go back and you rewatch and you realize like how racist yeah. <laughs> the portrayal of the Indian character in that film is. And it's just something that at the time I thought it was hilarious, but now I go back and see it and say, oh God, because I watched uh-huh. it with my son uh, earlier this year. And or I guess last year, late last year that we watched it, um, and it, it was it was fine. It worked for him. He enjoyed the movie, um, but it was all those moments that I even got a little bit uncomfortable with more than um, the nipple <laughs> scene on the beach. It was kind of see like these weird racist portrayals of minorities that I'm not. I'm a little bit more uncomfortable yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Little shout out to Oregon. Uh, that, that was also filmed in Oregon. Um, it's That's yeah, yeah. Right. Was it? Astoria? See, now I'm kind of forgetting. Well, Astoria right. was the Goonies and Kim Cop. Yes. I know that. Um, I, well, was it also Short Circuit? Is that saying? Yeah, I think yeah, it is. I think it is near the coast. So, yeah, those those three right there in Astoria. Um, I, and I've seen the Goonies house, too. You know, I mean, it's just a couple hours away from here. And I think the last time I was up there, it was for, like, one of the anniversaries. I want to say the 25th because it's probably the 30th 
anniversary now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I was down there for the 25th and it was a big deal. Um, you know, and, and it's cool because you, you, you can go to the house. They just ask that you don't, you know, park on their property and stuff like that. And you can go check it out. And they, and yeah, they usually have like an open house, like during, during like the really big deals, you know? Um, and I, I almost want to say that maybe some of the crew was there for the 25th and, and I kind of missed out on that. I, I think I read that. They, they did. Uh, I think that, um, Alamo Draft House. They did a thing a couple of years ago where they were doing a rolling sideshow screenings, and they did one for the Goonies. I don't know if you remember this or not, but it was on the high school, the football field that they have in the beginning of it, where the cheerleaders are work doing their routine. They had a uh, screening set up oh. there, and I, I don't know if that was for the twentieth or the twenty fifth that they did. That. I guess a lot of the cast members were there for it because I even thought about going up for that one. Cause it was kind of a big deal, but yeah, I think I remember something like that vaguely. I, I, I don't know if it was 2025th. Yeah. But it, it, it's cool with like these really, uh, big, um, you know, big classic movies that they do things like that. Uh, you know, and, and for it to be close to town, like Portland started to come up as, as far like, um, there's TV shows, Portlandia, you know, uh, leverage was yeah. filmed here. Grimm is currently being filmed here. Um, Backstrom takes place here, but isn't filmed here. <laughs> you know, so yeah, Portland's starting to get a, a kind of kind of a little bit known um, on the cinematic uh, level there. So that's kind of really nice to see. Um, let me see, where do we go? Oh, uh, Harris asked Mahoney to go on a ride with him, and I, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is shortly after like a montage of training too. But you know, oh, it's not an '80s movie without a montage, and it, it, it shows each <laughs> each one of them actually starting to do very well too. Even Hook's able to climb this wall, which you know she she sits at the top of, and she's just cheering, right. you know, and, and you really feel for her that you know she finally did it. So I, I do like this little montage because you are starting to kind of root for these guys to be able to kind of um, yeah. um, face what they weren't able to do before, uh, that kind of thing. But. Um, yeah, so Harris asked Mahoney to go on a ride. I forgot why. Um, I think it's, it's probably just because, you know, he's still trying to get Mahoney kicked out. Mahoney, you know, he, he wants to stay there. You know, he wants to continue uh, training. He even mentions that, you know, yeah, he wants to be a cop. Um, I, I wonder if that mm -hmm. has anything to do with Thompson, though. But, you know, everyone, this is the arc. This is where they're all starting to become better people, you know. And uh, Harris has them get out of the car and run along the vehicle uh we get this brief scene of tackleberry getting a cat down i don't know why he's called to to this because you know, he's still in training but it's funny this little old lady her cat's stuck in the tree and tackleberry shoots the branch right. down i'm assuming they don't show it but but he, you you hear you see him shoot and then like you know the cat screams and um really funny scene there um i know we're kind of getting towards the end of the movie here it it's it's so weird too because like all, all of this is training and then I feel like the the last third of the movie maybe the last quarter would you say it, it just kind of it just changes you know um, we get this uh, thing where was it Fackler how did this even start I'm I'm just starting to mix the two movies together is this where Fackler throws the apple out of the car I well I okay I'm trying to remember because uh, I. As far as the last quarter is just the riot right. at the end of it, and I, yeah, so, it, 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 um, it, and I, I think it started with Fackler because he, yeah, yeah, because he yeah. threw the uh, yeah, so he, yeah, okay, right. yeah. Um, well, it was building towards that, and that was just sort of the thing that 
pushed yeah. it, I guess, because there's been this unrest in the city the whole time. Okay. Yeah, before about. we jump to the end, let, let's uh, let's go over this one part. Um, Mahoney gets a visit from Hightower uh, in the middle of the night. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said he hadn't been driven since he was 12. How, do, how old do you think Hightower is now? Probably like early to mid-30s? Yeah, maybe, I'd maybe say so. Late 30s. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's asking Mahoney to to help him uh, for, for this driver's course coming up, you know, and I guess Harris told him that if he doesn't pass that, he's out. You know, so so they mm-hmm. they had to steal a car. Now, um, I I'm a little naive to this, but does uh, the Yankee plates on this car does that that's supposed to mean something, right? It's a it's okay. the rebel flag. It's a uh, it's a right. Confederate okay. flag. So that that people that wear that they have or have that on their car. That's just a right. racist symbol. And it's in this movie. It's anybody that's a racist okay, is a yeah. bad guy. Uh, it's kind of how they clearly lay that out in the film. So at least politically it has that yeah. part of it right. Uh, and so they, if in case you hadn't got it, hadn't picked up on it yet with all the racist slurs, they do put the uh, you know, the tag right there on the front of the car so they can make sure yeah. you get it. And um, it's a symbol that people in the South use. It's kind of like the South will rise again mm-hmm. and all that bullshit that I'm sure the – People, if anybody in the South is listening to this, they would argue. But it's a, it's a symbol of slavery, and it's these terrible thoughts that are associated with it, and ideas and concepts that we, you know, that I personally look back at our country with a degree uh-huh. of shame. You know, that's that we need to own it that we were a part of that as Americans. That is our history, and it's a history we're not that far removed from that still has cultural implications today. Um, but in the context of the film, it's just a shortcut of letting you know that this guy is not someone you should be yeah. rooting for. And when they yeah. trash his car, it's okay to yeah. trash his car because, look, there's a racist yeah. symbol right. right on the front of it. In yeah. case you forgot, what they're doing is okay this is because this is a racist uh, car. Because I kind of know that, but I obviously don't try to pretend to talk about something I don't know. And, uh, and my only right. reference really is from um, A Time to Kill, right? And, okay. and the, the the two – yeah, the, the two it. boys. Yeah. They, I think they had that flag on their truck too, uh, in in the beginning. So that's sure. kind of what what I knew it from. Um, but yeah, so so we get to see Hightower, you know, kind of dr- driving uh, late at night, um, and he's he's doing pretty good for himself. And then uh, I guess he was speeding, and well, and it's also the way he's driving too is it's, it's kind of not safe. And then he gets chased by a police, uh, two police cruisers actually. Uh, so a little chasing, uh, police pursuit. Um, uh, after two cadets, so that's kind of, kind of funny there. Uh, and but we do find out that it's Copeland's car, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because because uh, that scene, the the police chase, kind of transitions into Hightower actually doing the driver's course. Uh, so that that was kind of neat to see. And then uh, Hooks actually drives after him. So you get to see this contrast in in Hightower's driving, uh, pretty defensively would that be a good word to say he, he, the way he was driving yeah. and then you see hooks she's she's being very safe you know uh making sure she's not hitting the cones swerving in and out uh and she's even singing singing one of the christmas tunes along with this uh the santa's coming to town or something i think yeah, yeah. so that, that was kind of funny so um so when she comes back to to the i don't know the the, the waiting area or whatever uh copeland had been standing over this line and i guess hooks got a little too close and drove over his feet, and then uh, the, so the uh, if we uh, if we didn't pick it up earlier, this is where Copeland, you know, you find out that he is a racist. He calls her, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but he calls her a jigaboo, which I've never heard before. You, have you heard that before? 
Okay, okay. So Spade, Jigaboo, they're... I, 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 yeah. I'm from Georgia. Okay. <laughs> I'm old. So I've heard all this stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I've never heard that before. And, and obviously, you know, we... we um, after he says that, you see Hightower, and 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 uh, even Harris is like, "Oh shit," you know, <laughs> and and uh, so they get in the car, or Copeland gets in their car. Hightower gets down there, flips the car over, um, and then that's when uh, Harris kicks uh, Hightower out of the academy. Um, so yeah, it's very unfortunate. See, Mahoney, that's all you had to do was flip a car over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, really funny scene because, uh, yeah, after that, that, that's when like Copeland's standing in front of his car, just, just speechless. <laughs> I don't know what they did to it, but it looks like it was pulled out of a, like, like, like a, like a, like a lake or something the way it looked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get the cafeteria scene where Mahoney is being confronted by, um, uh, blanks. I think it is blanks. Yeah. Yeah. Blanks You're and Copeland. probably right. Um, and yeah, Mahoney's not happy because, you know, one of his buddies just got kicked out, you know, because of, because of this guy. And so, you know, they, they have a little spat and, um, before, uh, it looked like Copeland was about to throw the first punch, but, uh, Barbara, who's standing there, just uh, smacks him with his, uh, metallic tray. So, uh, you know, uh, Barbara there to save the day, so to speak. So I, you know, I forgot about him up until this point again, you know, like he, he really has nothing big at all. He has three scenes in the movie, basically, and that's it. Just the opening, the scene with the shower, and then this last little bit. So and that's all that's he does pretty in much the movie. It. Yeah, you're right. Um, so, yeah, so th- this is when, you know, we kind of uh, had mentioned earlier that, uh, so Fackler was sitting in a patrol car with somebody, and um, something was going off on the radio, but it gets the attention of just these three guys who happened to be by. So I... Was there a problem? Was that he was a cop, or was it really his radio was bothering them? That I still don't get. I, I think that it, he Just was because he was a, a cop. cop. Okay, that, yeah, yeah. So uh, his partner comes in, hands him an apple uh, as they drive off. He doesn't want out the apple, so he he throws it out the chucks it out the window and it hits a guy. So the guy turns around. There's another guy that happens to be walking by eating an apple, and that starts. You know, they start fighting, and then that I guess starts the riot. So, yeah, yeah, really weird. Um, so we kind of go back to the academy, and because of this fight, uh, Blanks and Mahoney are now in the office with Harris. And Harris is like, well, who threw the first fight? And Blanks is trying to say that, yeah, it was it was Barbara. And Mahoney takes the fall for it, you know, which, which uh, gets him kicked out. So finally something he wanted, and you can see it on his face, he doesn't want it anymore. Uh, so, yeah, he, right. you know, proceeds to go... Um, you know, go to his room to go pack. Now, this is funny. I was watching this, and Mahoney is walking to his room, right? He's kind of walking slowly through the stairway. Here comes Jones. You know, like, uh, I heard the sound effects of a helicopter coming by, and I forgot it was Jones yeah. until he turns the corner. So Jones is pretending to be flying on a helicopter, and then I was thinking about it. I was like, they came in together. Jones is there because of Mahoney. Why have they not really interacted and then I thought about it, like all these scenes with Barbara probably should have been Jones, or at least like the the cafeteria scene, because because oh, Barbara doesn't get yeah. kicked out anyway, you know, for quote unquote you right. know, doing that first punch, like why go through the trouble of getting uh, Doctor Monsignor to to come to the academy with you, and they don't really have any scenes together, you know, I don't know if he was filming Spaceballs or something, couldn't be here, I don't know, like did you think about that at all, like how? No, it, it honestly didn't even occur to me because um, I, 
you've put more thought <laughs> into this film than the people who wrote this, honestly. <laughs> so um, I, I, I didn't have that hat on while I was watching this. I was honestly just letting it happen, which I, th- and, and you're, you're absolutely, it's interesting yeah. to do this. Um, to go back and sort of like look at the finer details of it and wonder, cause somebody did at some point in time, kind of look at these and connect the dots and try to make this, you know, a cohesive script. I think there was two or three writers on it. So these people were going back and forth trying to put this together. Um, for me as an audience member, I've always just sort of watched these yeah. movies and never really taken anything. You're right with that. And, uh, I think maybe that's the cast in this, um, is a little right. bit too big and they do, uh, pull it in a little bit and make it more about just a couple people. Um, further down the line. I don't know if it's something that this was a larger film where it was, you know, there's a two and a half hour version of this floating <laughs> around somewhere. And this is what they cut it down to where you do have the 45 minute scene with Barbara. I have no idea. Yeah, so. um, and, and that's where like uh, our shows are different because like, you know, I, I've been on war machine war, uh, versus war horse twice and uh, I've kind of enjoyed uh-huh. it because uh, I've been able to view the movies that are being reviewed and not really have to take notes and yeah, and then yeah. like for this show, you know, me and Phoenix we go scene by scene, and the reason we do that is because I want to get Phoenix's opinions and thoughts and perspective on things that are happening, and so that's yeah, that's why I bring sure. things up because if I don't bring it up, he actually brings up some some interesting things himself, uh, himself. So uh, so yeah. I really like that. Uh, so yeah, so I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's it's kind of so hopefully it's fun for you that we're actually kind of like yeah. No, no, I enjoy it. It's totally different though. It's, you're right. It's it's I. I end up watching, I think, maybe like nine or ten movies a week now, something <laughs> yeah. like that. So, so before the podcast and, you know, a little bit for like my website and now for this. And so it's just at the end, when if I were to go down and really take detailed notes on it, it would take what little fun I still yeah. have in this uh, out of it that I do enjoy watching movies. And I love watching movies. That's why I got into all this. And that's why I'm compelled yeah. to do it. It's um, I'm not getting paid to do this. I, nobody cares that I do it. I could stop doing it. Yeah. No one would notice. It's I do it because I love to do it, and I really like talking to people about movies um, in these detailed ways. Um, but your show is so specific and so detailed in it that I was curious how you would go into it like this with uh, with these movies, with the Police Academy films, because I listened to like the Psycho uh, episode right. that Mike was on. Uh, went back and um, and it was just that's a movie I could see you can go through and analyze and sort of say what's going on and, and it's been really interesting to hear you kind of uh, have these alternate ideas on uh, this particular film because man you, you're thinking about it way more yeah, than I, uh, b- before even watching it for the review I was like how am I going to do this because as I remember it, it was one big montage of just like different things yeah. I mean and, and I know we're going to discuss too um, uh, shortly after and that's going to be real fast because it's, you know, I, I won't even get into it now. But um, I, I, I thought for this first review was going to be a little bit difficult. And, uh, no, I, yeah, I was actually able to find some things to kind of bring up. So, so um, yeah, this is turning out to be a lot better than I thought. I thought this was going to be like 45 minutes, to be honest, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so the end, we, we don't have to really go into detail because it's it's basically like a half an hour of almost nothing. Um, this, this riot breaks yeah. out. Um, we see uh, Hightower kind of went back, reverted to what he was doing earlier, right? He's back at the floor shop. Uh, and then, yeah, there's just uh, this, this riot and a bunch of, like, um, events that, that's kind of happening. Uh, there was one point where uh, Blanks and Copeland, they're taunting these uh, civilians on the other side of a fence. 
and they walk down the fence, and then there's this opening. So this this bad guy who has no name, no motive for anything, he kind of takes their guns from them, and uh, and then they run off. Which uh, uh, I forget who it is, but we get another scene at the uh, at the Blue Oyster. Um, do you remember who it was that that gets? I I wonder if it was them again. I I kind of forget. I mean, I know I wrote it down. Um, you know, one thing I did fail to mention. I, I can't believe we uh, I missed this here, but there was this scene where um, Copeland and Blanks they hire a prostitute. Yeah, how did oh, I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> they hire a prostitute. I forget was I don't know if this was before or after. It, it must have been before the the confrontation in the cafeteria. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So they hired this prostitute to come into uh, Mahoney's um, room because uh, th- they were about to have a uh, a room inspection, and they were I guess they were hoping mm-hmm. to to get this woman caught in Mahoney's uh, room, and then that would you know thus getting him kicked out. But Mahoney gets well, Barbara she she pulls up, she pulls up, he goes into the room, and uh, th- so there's this woman just laying on the bed, and she's like rolling up a doobie. Um, basically, and when yeah. I was a kid, I didn't know what that was. I, di- I didn't know it was a joint, and I, I thought she was like licking like a, like a candy or something like that. That that's that's really what I thought it was. But uh, he gets Mahoney. Mahoney's like, oh, we we got to get you out of here. You know, they're they're doing inspections. So yeah, he takes her over to this auditorium, which at the same time, Commandant Lassard is giving like a, a tour to these military personnel. You know, uh, of the of the uh, academy. Then they go into the auditorium for like a, a short presentation. And then, so Mahoney puts her inside the podium and says, oh, I'm not the customer. You know, the customer will be here soon. And he tries to leave, but, yeah, Lassard comes in, gets to the podium, and, uh, yeah, so this, this is another an example of one of those things that, you know, I didn't want Phoenix uh, watching. But, um, yeah, she... she did, did you get this no, as I a did kid, not. though? I, I, I under- yes. I mean, he would, Phoenix oh, yeah. would get it now, oh, absolutely. but... As a as a kid though, I didn't get that scene. I what was going I, I on? I knew that the pants unzipped, but I I didn't even I had no clue what what might be going on, uh, and and I <laughs> I didn't understand his reaction to uh, coming out Lassard. Uh But yeah, now I mean, because obviously Phoenix is twice the age of probably what I was when I watched it, and uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, I totally didn't get that. So um, so and yeah, that will come back later. But uh, Missy Harris. Uh, during this riot, he gets taken hostage by this guy who had just taken the guns. So they're on the rooftop, and for whatever reason, he's shooting down at the cops. So I, I don't know. I, I guess this riot is just because these people, they just don't like the cops for whatever reason. You know, it's kind of what right. we're getting. And I know that's going to kind of go into uh, um, the, the second movie. And so Mahoney tries to uh, go up to the rooftop to save Harris. And um, I forgot what happened, but I know the bad guy, he's got Harris. And then somehow he gets Mahoney in a, in a disadvantage as well, because Hightower comes to save the day, and um, that's that's exactly it. So Hightower saves the day, uh, and then he kind of uh, he turns in the gun, and then you know yeah, it, it, and this is just you know the the whole military thing in me. But the the butt stocks of the gun has the uh, what's that tape label under the. Um, well, I, I think it's called something, right? You know, when you kind of—it's not not like a stencil, but you know, like the, the the name tags under the the pistol, that um, I, I the type of tape it, that they're it's, using. It's, for it's it? a type of tape, you know, where you have to select the letters, and it it, it 
Oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what they're I, called, but you know what I'm I, talking about. I, yeah, the the, the label yeah, yeah, maker yeah. kind of thing, right? So the right. the the busstock of these pistols has the has the name tape on the bottom of them. Um, in the military, we have serial numbers on weapons, and that's how they're assigned to people. Like you can easily remove that tape and take somebody's gun, you know, and and then there's no accountability. So I know it's totally nitpicking, sure. but but I saw that I was like. Just scratching my head because like some things they they, they kind of get right or, or or you know seems legit but then like something like that happened I'm like come on but if they were serial numbers how are you gonna know that's that's blanks and copeland's yeah, so i i get it but it was just something that really stuck out to me it's it's something that they took the time to do <laughs> why would they go that direction yeah. with it i, I get what you're uh, saying and then yeah so high tower saves a day and we go to graduation um and here's the one last time that we see barbara again uh his mom misses him and, uh, you know, I guess we kind of, uh, I didn't mention earlier that he, he's a bit of a mama's boy. Um, uh, Martin and Callahan, uh, they obviously hooked up because she's, she's kind of, um, instructing him on, you know, Hey, you know, you're going to meet my parents on this day. You're going to bring flowers. So she's telling him to do everything. So it's funny that this ladies man is actually being instructed by a woman on how to be more of a, a gentleman, I suppose. Uh, and then Lassard, he mistakes Mahoney and uh, Thompson to be two male officers kissing. Um, so I, when did the Don't Ask, Don't Tell come into play? That, that's in the 90s, right? Uh, yeah. In yeah, yeah. In, uh, so so at this time, it, it was obviously like, uh, yeah, it, uh, I, I guess he was giving them a chance. Like, hey, stop now or I'll kick you guys out. That that was prob- prob- right. probably thing, uh, a thing with the police as well. Um, so Hightower and Mahoney, they are awarded. And Hightower, who's a man of few words, just says thanks. So, good on him. Uh, Mahoney does his best impersonation of a rapper and thanks everyone, and uh, even has a speech prepared. But, uh, yeah, before he gets into it, uh, yeah, we get the little prostitute in the podium now. So, has she been, she been in there the sure. whole time? <laughs> I, I, you're assuming you know, so. It's, it's funny because the, the podium was in the auditorium, so somebody must have carried that with her in there to take it out into the parade field <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for the ceremony. Well, I mean, she was... She still had the joint on her, so it was probably just really yeah. good pot. She was, you know, actually out for a couple of weeks at that yeah. point, I guess. Yeah, so th- that's it. That's that's the end of our movie. Um, yeah, I, I still enjoyed it. Uh, I think it holds up for me, but I wonder if the nostalgia has anything to do with it. So uh, I would be curious to see what Phoenix would think, you know, when, when you know, he decides that he, he wants to check this out. Uh, but yeah, we do a rating scale, uh, and we can even break it down to quarters if you like. But um, I'm going to give this a three and a half. You know, I think a three, three and a half out of five. I think it uh, still holds up. It's not as funny as I remembered it, but I think it's just you know the the period. The jokes don't quite hold up as well, but I still found it funny. I still like the characters. I really like mm-hmm. Tackleberry. Uh, so, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's right about that for me. It's about a three. Um, I know I was getting. Uh, into the sort of more racist, homophobic overtones of the film, just because I was so surprised by them that I didn't know they were there. I didn't remember it that way at all. But I, there were a couple moments that honestly made me laugh in this movie, and that's something that's hard to do with comedy. Comedy usually, I think, doesn't yeah. age well. And so when you have something that still makes you laugh, you know, 30 years later, that, that's to its credit, that it does have a few moments that definitely make me laugh. So I'd say like a solid Yeah, three uh, back to me. what you're saying about like the, the gay slurs and racial slurs and stuff like that. There, there was one that was uh, mentioned that was, uh, I, 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 I don't, I, I can't imagine somebody finding it really offensive, but I thought it was kind of funny, but it was when uh, it was in the cafeteria and Blanks calls Mahoney, Mahomo. Um, I, I, th- I thought that was funny. <laughs> 
I, I see, but that's the thing. That's the uh, the nature of this movie is the the bad guys are racist and the good guys are homophobic, and so it's not something that's implicit in the film, but there is a. It's just something that speaks to the times, and I think that that's something that is a negative about the film that they have. Um, both the good guys and the bad guys have this homophobia. That's the area they come in together on it in the film that they both have this hatred. We don't stand for racism as a film, but homophobia is fine is what it kind of feels like yeah. to some degree. So yeah. Mahomo, you'd be surprised. Um, if you're a gay kid that's, um, that's raised in a less than progressive area and you were called homo by your friends and you weren't able to come out to them, and you're in a high school where you have to try to pretend to date somebody and be interested in them so that you have this secret that you can't let anybody know about. And when your friends are calling each other homo and fag and all those things, it seems like this light little word. But it's this word that I could imagine carries a great deal of weight that uh, you would feel it much more than we think it would have yeah. an impact on you. And we all, we all have those things. We all have um, whatever your personal you know, emotional stepping stone is. Um, but when it's something like race or sexuality and these things that you have absolutely no choice over, um, it, I think it makes it harder for you that, you know, you don't want to be different. You don't want to be strange. You don't want to be the outsider. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. what you are, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so these things that seem so light and easy and throwaway to us, they, they can have an impact on other yeah. people. So, and I think it's important just to talk to people about those things and to be able to let people know that you don't want to be called that or to say something like that mm-hmm. around me. Like, you know, just so you know, say whatever you want. But when you do say that, I tend to think of you in a very mm-hmm. negative way because it puts you in a category to me. It makes you seem very narrow minded. And I don't want to judge you and I don't want to, you know, sort of put you in this box, but you're putting mm-hmm. yourself in it. So you have a choice to either do that or not around. And so, I mean, yeah, it's a throwaway uh, in the movie. And I don't think they had anything, an agenda right. with the right. film, but it's there. And so, and I think if you look at the, the writer uh, of this film and the director of the film, these are guys that are my right. parents' age and they were from mm-hmm. generation and that was acceptable. I'm not making an excuse for those mm-hmm. people at all, like, but it's, it's still... Uh, bigotry is bigotry. Mm-hmm. Hatred is hatred. And those sort of things underlie that. And it's through humor. And when we, I, I think when we play things for less than their power, that it makes them worse because it makes them seem trivial. And, and that's more dangerous to me in a way. I think it's important you can deal with subjects like that in a manner that is lighthearted and it can have a positive impact uh, towards it. It can sort of take the punch out of it. But this isn't taking the punch out of it. This is adding to that. I think, and it's making that kind of talk mm-hmm. acceptable. And so, so, but then again, I mean, I was a kid that would call my friends fag and I would use terrible slurs when I was a kid. And it wasn't from a, a place of like hatred. It was from a place mm-hmm. of ignorance. Oh, absolutely. You know, I just oh, did, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's, uh, it's something that I try to be more conscious. Yeah. Of and, and I like that because you're right. Um, um, I, there's a movie I grew up watching that that used it, but uh, Bill and Ted they used they they've said sure. the word in the movie. Uh, I don't remember so much in part one, but for sure part two, it, it is said. See, yeah. So like even that, which is probably a PG movie, you know they 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 said it yeah. too, and that's uh, I think part two was like super early nineties, ninety maybe ninety one, you know I, I don't think much further than that, but 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just ignorance, you know, uh, as a child. I mean, and you know, and and kids, they 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 don't know any better. You know, they they say it because they think it's funny. You know, and they're just trying to be cool around each other. Yeah, I I don't know if we're gonna uh, have time to get into part two, but I'm even think thinking so. maybe we'll, we'll do uh, kind of like War Machine versus War Horse fashion, where the, the next time we get together, we'll do two, three, and four together. Because I'm already gonna kind of okay. spoil it now. I know two and four for sure are gonna be like five minutes each. <laughs> maybe a little bit more. I'm exaggerating. See, well, I got a lot to say about that skateboarding in part okay, four. So. I don't remember. <laughs> But I do remember watching four, like, because um, okay, do you do you have this on DVD? Oh uh, yeah, you have yeah, the, I have all the, like the yeah the four pack. So of that's the... what I have. I I bought the, uh, this four pack uh, in in the past year, no no more than a year ago. And when I got it, I watched all four in one week, and and I do remember two and four were my least favorite, and three I think I only liked because they go back to the academy. So, so I, okay. I think the next time we'll get together, we'll do the three uh, uh, in your guys' fashion, kind of, you know, scene by scene, obviously, because okay. by then we're already going to kind of know the characters. We'll just introduce any new ones and, and just talk about each sure. one. But uh, there's something that you and I will do that, that we did talk about uh, before. So hopefully this will be fun. Uh, me and Phoenix, we usually try to have like a fun segment where we uh, kind of um, – theorize what might happen after the movie but you and i we're gonna kind of take a different approach where we're gonna kind of remake this movie and who would we uh recast in these same characters um uh, i i like some of mine but some of them i just kind of like threw in people because i was hoping i mean well because i just couldn't come up with anything better to to be honest so um so we'll just kind of uh go into that uh and and I'll name off a character, and if uh, if I didn't name one that that you wrote down, you just go ahead and throw it out, and I'll maybe on the spot whether or not I can sure. come up with one. But for the uh, the main character Mahoney, uh, I got oh you know what I, I I even thought about like director you know to kind of give it a tone. Okay. I was trying to think of directors who can um, who can do well with an ensemble cast because that's what this movie is. It's a, it's a lot of people. So uh, who's who's that guy who's doing um, the new Ghostbusters like Paul Feig? Does that sound right? Okay, yeah, so I thought yeah. he would would be good for more of a um, kind of a this same type of comedy. You know, the, the I don't want to say slapstick, but this the, this tone of comedy. Um, and a, another approach would be a little bit more serious, kind of like the the Twenty One Jump Street kind of kind of feel. And if um, for the director for that, I was thinking like Edgar Wright. You know, like Hot Fuzz and. You know, oh. so I, I think that would be cool too. You know, maybe add a little like action feel to it, kind of thing, but still comedy. So I was thinking about maybe you know those two as uh, as possible directors. Did, did you put any thoughts into possible directors? Maybe I I didn't, but as you said that, the first thing that I thought of would be somebody like Evan Goldberg, um, because of this. Oh, is the he end. did that one. Okay, okay, yeah, and I thought that was a great ensemble piece. I really liked yeah. that one a lot, and. Uh, so, and he usually works with right. Seth Rogen, who was one of the guys that I thought about possibly in the uh, okay. Mahoney role. I thought about uh, Seth Rogen there, but it was actually, I went to Neighbors and went the other side and thought that maybe, oddly enough, Zach Efron would be a good uh, Actually, Mahoney. it's funny you mentioned that because for Mahoney, uh, Dave Franco is what I chose. Because, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, they're all in that same movie. Um, Dave Franco, I, yeah. I really, I, I loved Dave Franco and Neighbors. I thought he did an outstanding job. Yeah. And I, I loved his impersonation of Robert De Niro. Uh, and and I, I think, you know, he's about that uh, that right age, too, and the right look. And, and that was another thing. I was also kind of going for a look. Uh, 
but I, I can see it with Seth Rogen, but it was, um, you know, with that director, that would be a vehicle for him possibly. And if not for Mahoney, I'm sure, sure. somebody else, maybe not Tackleberry, but yeah, I, I can see him being in, in this for sure. If it was that way. Um, well- who would you think of as a tackleberry? Uh, tackleberry, I have, uh, I have two. Uh, let me f- finish off with Mahoney. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It, this was a cheat, uh, but <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Reynolds from Van Wilder t- ten years ago. You know, so okay. yeah, so a bit yeah. of ch- uh, ch- a cheat there. Um, now, all you had was Seth Rogen. Oh no, no, I and oh, uh, that's Zach right Gaffer. for Mahoney. Okay, uh, for Tackleberry, I have uh, a Jason Siegel. You know, because okay. uh, he, he's not like overly handsome, but he, he can play kind of, you know, and we'll spoil, uh, I'll spoil this now. But in part two, we find out that Tackleberry is, quote unquote, 28, which I, he looks a lot older than that. Right. But uh, we also find out that he's a yeah. virgin. So I was also trying to think yes. of somebody that, that can still, you know, OK, I, I can believe that kind of thing. But Tackleberry, I got uh, Jason Siegel and John Krasinski. Oh, you sure. Know. Yeah, that's actually yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, like it's. I uh, I went with uh, Zach Galifianakis okay. was kind of yeah. of I know it's against against sort of his type playing that, but I think he can play broad sure. really yeah. well, uh, and he can play that side of things. But I, I think he could play a couple characters in this film. There's that would suit him really well. Either I was I kept going back between that and Harris. I thought he would be really interesting in either one of those roles. Um, so, but then uh, if that that's obviously more of a broad way of going with it. Um, and I guess if you're going to do, uh, who are we on now? Tackleberry. Um, want to have somebody that has a physical presence, possibly somebody like a little bit of a bigger guy and maybe like a Channing Tatum would be good yeah, in that role. I, so. I can't believe that he'd be a virgin though. I, he's, yeah, <laughs> he, he's crossed my mind. Uh, yeah, you know, there has to be right. There needs yeah, to be innocence yeah. there. So yeah. he, he did cross my mind actually for, uh, for Tackleberry. Exactly. Just because you're right. Like the, I, I could, you know, obviously, uh, believe that he was in the military, but yeah, I was like Virgin. Nah, no, no Channing Tatum in this one. Um, now you you just mentioned. Um, uh, let's see, I I just thought of Ed Helms. Like I didn't I didn't oh, have okay. this I didn't have him down for anything, but Ed Helms just came to my mind, and he could have been a good Fackler. You know, yeah. but but I'll, I'll get yeah. into my Facklers. I have Simon Helberg from Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. Uh, he it. plays Howard. Um, he's also a mama's boy, but he kind of looks the part, almost looks just like him. Uh, and then this one okay. is a little, actually, really young, but uh, the guy who played McLovin, Christopher Mintz. Plus, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah so, but but I, I'm going to take McLovin away and go with Simon Helberg and Ed Helm uh, for Fackler. Ed Helm's yeah, good. Yeah. Do you, like did you have anybody for Fackler? I did okay. not have anybody for okay. Fackler. Uh, now, Thompson, honestly, I think any pretty face could be Thompson. Um, but, but I do have two names, um, uh, uh, okay. Amber Heard, uh, I just think she's super pretty, uh, you know, and could, could, you know, she, she always reminds me of a young Charlize Theron. I mean, I know she played the younger version of her in North country. Um, but Amber Heard, if you want to go for the looks, but if you want to go for someone that could be a little bit believable as a lady and someone kind of tough, uh, I was thinking Adrian Pilecki. Oh, know, okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so those I have for Thompson. You, do you have someone for Thompson? Yeah, um, I was actually thinking about Anna I thought Kendrick of her too. For yeah. Thompson, I, uh... she can she would bring more comedy to it, I think, than Kim Cattrall brought to the role. And she's, I mean, clearly attractive enough, but she's actually very. I, I, there's something about her that seems very uh-huh. grounded, also. 
and I th- she's just an interesting actress to watch. So I, I would like to see her in something like that. And um, the other one that I thought of, which is probably a little bit more of an age stretch for it, possibly. Um, I guess no, she would fit, but oh, Emma Stone. Uh, yeah, I thought about her, but then I was like, nope, she's redhead. She's, uh, yeah, th- th- that's yeah. just me trying to like stay with the look. But yeah, I should have thought like, yeah, I was trying to be broad, but then I, I thought it'd be more interesting if I try to keep with the look too. Like with um, uh, Anna Kendrick, when I thought about her, I was all... Um, the first thing that popped in my head was Pitch Perfect for the obvious reason. It was the most recent that she sure, did, yeah. and then and then and then no fault to her, but I was all like, "Oh, she she doesn't come for money, you know," which Thompson does. So th- that's why I just I was too quick to dismiss her, but she did come to mind uh, for Thompson, uh, okay. Lieutenant Harris. Now, this is going to be interesting. Um, I first had Christoph Waltz be- because he kind of <laughs> yeah. looks like him, yeah. but um, and and I was like. And then I was playing uh, executive a little bit, like Crystal Fultz wouldn't want to be in our movie, you know. He's too, he's too big for that. <laughs> um, and then I started looking around more, and then I thought Rain Wilson, who just just started Baxter, you know, I, okay. uh, I it's going to the office a, a little bit. A yeah, you're right. Um, uh, he, he would be my first choice, and then and then my second choice would be Thomas Lennon from you know nine one one. I I, I sure. oh, yeah, I, I love him, and I've never seen him be in a role that that's kind of like Harris. So I, I think he would be fine in that, you know, still be funny phys- physically and, and all that stuff for, for Harris. Did you have anyone? Um, Danny McBride. Oh, okay. I was thinking about, he, he came to my mind too. I was like, not too young. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he could, uh, he, he you can make somebody sure. look the right age and he could play older probably. Yeah. He's definitely, on the younger side for things. But yeah, I think he would be um, interesting in that sort of kind of on the a similar actor. Um, the one I was thinking about, I, the name escapes me, but he's the, the bald guy in a hot time machine. He was also in like Anchorman. Oh yeah. 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 Something, um, it was like something like 40 or it starts with, it starts with a C. It's not. I always think of Steve Coogan, but right, that's the right. British guy. Yeah, so uh, I, I thought of him because he, he always kind of plays a kind of an ass. You know, so um, yeah. let's see who uh, Hightower. Now, who do you have for Hightower? Um, for Hightower, I thought that this would be an area where you could possibly change okay. it a little bit because you start, you think like the things that came to mind at first, I was immediately like, you get like a LeBron James, you get somebody from sports again that's a big mm-hmm. guy that's imposing, that kind of thing to come through. Or you get uh, somebody that's, you know, actually funny to come through that has acting experience. And I went back to the office with that also and thought of Craig Robinson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because he he can have a big presence, but he could pull it off and he could do the more stranger florist side of things, I think, playing against that really well. He he can play a more interesting character. So I'm not sure that he could pull pull off the size, obviously, if that's the only – the physicality. Yeah, is I thought of for. Craig Robinson as well. It's funny because we, we we're thinking of like a lot of the uh, same characters because obviously we we kind of know what what type of movie this is, you know. So these characters are from yeah. the same type of movies. But for a high tower, I have Terry Crews. Yeah, because oh, you know, okay. he's got the size. He's yeah. funny. He's you know. Um, well, you could you could even go with a Channing Tatum in that role and have it like just you know change it in that direction and have it be a white yeah. guy this time. Um, and but he has that physical mm-hmm. presence that I think could and he could be that sort of stoic guy. If you look at um, uh, Foxcatcher, oh. I mean he he can play he can mm-hmm. play quiet 
and you know, but and creepy also. Uh, and if, if you wanted to go to uh, with a different race, I actually had Dwayne Johnson as my backup. You know, from, from uh, sure, and I and I kept going going back to uh, was it Be Cool, right when he was in there. So uh-huh. I was thinking something yeah. like that. I mean, I know that's a completely different character than 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 uh, Hightower, but I was, I was thinking like big, um, you know, big guys is, is what I was just thinking because I, I can't think of a lot of tall uh, tall actors. So I was thinking, okay, what's the next next thing would be a physical presence, which is big, and I thought Terry Crews would would be a very interesting one. Um, but but my problem with that is like he might be too funny for that role. Yeah, you need somebody maybe a little bit more grounded if we want to try to stick uh, to this um, to the spirit of you know these these other characters. Uh, Lasa- uh, sure. No, Barbara. Do you have anybody for Barbara? I I, I we might have a, a match here. I, I'm thinking. No, I, I don't. Oh, I don't okay. think we do um, at all because I changed oh, genders okay. <laughs> for Barbara, and I thought Chris I thought Kristen okay. Wiig would be able to pull off something like that. So. The um the the sort of uh, yeah she can play those really broad characters really well and I thought she'd be interesting. Who, who uh, did you I have had Jonah for? Hill. Uh, jo- Jonah Hill, Jonah Hill, and uh, yeah. Josh Gad. You know who? Sure. Yeah, yeah Josh who, Gad who, who, would be great. Yeah, yeah Wozniak in, in the movie Jobs. Um, yeah, so I, I, like uh-huh. him. I was trying to yeah again I was going the physical physical thing, but um, uh, Kristen Wiig. I actually thought about her for for Thompson, but I was thinking she was too old. Yeah, okay. uh, especially if like Dave Frankel was, the, you know, who I was going with. Um, Martine. <laughs> now, this one, is, is, there's nothing sexy here, but I was trying to think of like any Latin American pretty boys. And uh, I went with a, a Jay Hernandez uh, and also okay. uh, a Ryan Guzman, you know, from Step Up. You know, I, I had to look that up because whatever. <laughs> yeah, I have. I actually okay. I skipped this one. I didn't really know where to go with okay. that one. Um, I guess you could have somebody that was playing a trying to play a Latin yeah. American, but they're actually just a yeah. white guy and just gotten into that sort of context. I'm not sure they would have that character in this movie. Um, now. Did you have anybody for Callahan? Uh, let me see on here. Oh, for uh, the Leslie yes. Easterbrook character. Um, yeah. I, for that one, I mean, you have to have somebody that's a little bit, a little bit older, but still kind of like can pull off the, the sexy angle. And I went probably in a different direction okay. than you did where i was thinking of sigourney okay Weaver. so a lot older than yeah a lot older and, and instead of playing up like the big like you know boob angle of it have a woman that's just like sexually yeah. confident and have not be that kind of a uh as i, I in a way mm-hmm. misogynistic mm-hmm. i guess where you have it's just a woman that is this like kind of hard ass but still is very feminine yeah. at the same time and she just like if i think of uh, like right, aliens, right. you know, if she can, she does, she draws I, that line really well. And I, I think she's I, still I, I love that so. casting, but my, my thing is like Callahan's a sergeant in this one. So, so like that, that, that's my yeah. thing with like, you know, knowing the ranks, like that, that, that she, she would be in a higher rank just based on age. Um, Okay. But uh, I I went with uh, Jessica Biel, a little bit younger, but but she she can sure. you know pull off the the badass and and uh, Alice Eve. Oh, um, well, she was in the, the new the the, the the Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, she was the daughter of. Oh, okay. Never uh, saw it. She was in. Oh, uh, she's out of my league. Wait, was that her? I want to see that was her. I didn't see that either. Wow. Yeah, I think that's the one I knew, know her best friend was. She's out of my league. Yeah. Uh, okay. Some of the other ones, uh, I'm not. 
I can't really quite think of uh, right now. But uh, Alice Eve, yeah, she's not a big name, but but she's in those two movies that that you know did okay. Um, I'm trying to think of oh, uh, I I thought of this but didn't write it down. But uh, Elizabeth Banks, kind of too, you know, sure. someone yeah. like that. Uh, how about Jones? Uh, for Jones doing the uh, the sort of voices at that point, I guess like you need he. For Michael Winslow, he's such a unusual character. It would just – I can't think of anybody that does what he does. So I left this one off because you would have to go in a totally different direction with it. And you either have him come back and do it still because <laughs> I don't know anybody else that's vocally gifted like that. And otherwise, I was just thinking of like black yeah. comedians was all I was playing. as kind of like what I was thinking with that. So, I mean, the obvious is like you get right. like Kevin Hart if you can get – someone like that and then that didn't seem like that's really his comfort zone either though i mean kevin hart would probably be a better mahoney right, than right yeah no yeah you're absolutely right uh kevin hart did cross my mind and staying on that route i thought of michael b jordan you know just just uh yeah just another oh, uh, black yeah. actor um but one uh one that comes to mind that does great voice impersonations i don't know so much about the sound effects but it'd be jay farrow from snl yeah, he oh, does, yeah. Yeah, he can yeah, do like yeah. he he has a YouTube clip where he does like 50 impersonations, you know, in like 10 minutes or or something like that. Um uh, and he does them pretty spot on too, so I I think he'd be a great uh Jones, uh Jay Farrow, yeah. Good call. Uh, yeah, we already did, did Fackler and I guess the last one I have on my list, oh no, Lassard. We didn't do Lassard yet. Um I have uh, Oh, who did Jay you have for Lassard? <laughs> I think he'd be great. <laughs> Okay. That that's yeah, yeah. I mean, J.K. Simmons would be fantastic as Lassard. That would be that's kind of out there for him. Um, I mean, the one that I thought of initially was Leslie Nielsen, too but old. I thought that maybe he would be too a little bit too old for it now at this point. I thought sort of the same thing with Bill Murray oh, yeah, would be yeah, right yeah, in that range. He, yeah, he would be great in that role. Um, but then the other one, if you're really going to kind of get into the. Uh, like whoever you want in it, I thought Stanley Tucci Ooh, would I'd be like fantastic. Him. Yeah, that'd be. He, yeah, he, he might even be a good Harris, Lieutenant Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love Stanley so. Tucci. Uh, and hooks. I had a hard time finding hooks, but I mean, almost kind of. I don't want to say like Jones because Jones is a completely different character. But hooks. I mean, you could almost get anybody just to kind of do the voice. And I kind of went with. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but it's uh, Aja Naomi King. She plays uh, Michaela, Michaela, Michaela from um, How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, okay, that's the Grey's Anatomy creator yes, show, yes, right? Yes. Isn't it? Some... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's one of the um, the law students, and and uh, I, I like her in there, and she was like the first one that kind of came to mind. That's you know, you know, still kind of young, and uh, could probably uh, do do that role just fine. Yeah. Did nice. you have any other characters that maybe I might have missed? That, that's as that's as deep as I went onto the list. Once it got to that, I, I was kind of uh, I got sort of to started getting to characters that didn't even have pictures <laughs> on IMDb next to their names. I was like, okay, I think I'm about yeah. done at this point. Like when you're getting, uh, who would you get to play the hooker? <laughs> I think at that point you can just get somebody with right. a side card. Yeah, no, that, that was fun. Uh, I mean, uh, I like some, some of the names you threw out. Ho- hopefully, maybe some of the liter- listeners might uh, you know email in or something with some of their thoughts. You know, I, I like to hear some maybe some other names we didn't even come up with. Uh, but yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up right there. And what, what, why don't you tell us uh, how, uh, you know, again about your site and how to get a hold of you? 
Um, my site is followingfilms.com, um, updated pretty much daily. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at following underscore films, and I'm regularly on War Machine versus Warhorse. You can get it on iTunes. Please yep, subscribe. Yeah, do that. Leave a review as well. You know, that's much appreciated uh, from the two of us. Uh, and we, we, we do have a, uh, um, a, new, a new review uh, that I, I usually save, um, you know, for when Phoenix comes on because, you know, it, it is his show too. Uh, and, you know, kind of what I mentioned earlier is probably going to be a while, so – uh, and it, it is from Mike Deniston. So, so yeah, yeah. So, oh, so okay. Mike, you're gonna have to wait for when Phoenix comes back on for me to read that. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so uh, we didn't get any emails. Uh, I, I was really hoping we, we'd get some because I, I like to hear some um, thoughts on this movie as well. Um, but yeah, uh, if you guys want to write into the show, you can do so at uh, or to hlfpodcast at gmail dot com. You can obviously find us on Facebook, at Twitter, and Instagram at hlfpodcast. Um, so yeah, Chris, I want to thank you again for coming on to the show. I had a good time. Um, so did yeah, I. Thanks yeah. for having and, me on. And next time, uh, again, we, we kind of already mentioned that we'll do two, three, and four all together, and th- that should be fine on that. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, until the next episode, this is High Grade Level Four. Yeah.